This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What am I, an idiot? Come on. That yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody. It's not human intelligence. If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Friday, September 29th. This is episode 175. I'm still Dan Ellis, despite my best efforts. Uh, and I am not Matt Mitchell. I am. Yeah, I'm Ryan. <gasps> Woo! All right. And tonight we have a special guest in studio with us, Mr. Taylor Grin. How are you, man? I am doing really well. It's Yay. good to be here. Awesome. I'm really excited to have you on the show tonight. Yeah. Uh, you have been here at Casa, Casa del Revolution. <laughs> yeah. For, <laughs> for the better part of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Chilling, had a nap. Oh my God, I needed that nap. <laughs> Holy crap. If you haven't slept on the floor of an airport, you uh, shouldn't try it sometime. <laughs> <laughs> it's not something I would advise or recommend. No. Yeah, pretty That's why terrible you just need stuff. a lot of bags with you to, to lay on top of. I packed my little man purse thing I brought with me <laughs> so tight that it was like sleeping on a rock. It was uh, not good. Yeah, no luggage, just backpacks. Okay. Yeah. That's the, that's the best way to do it now. They make you pay so much for your luggage anyways. Oh, I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I want uh, John Oliver's most recent last week. Yep, where he's tonight. talking about the airlines, can the conglomerates all becoming one basically airline and how they've all started charging for bags and how it used to be a crazy thing. Like, oh, how dare they do it? Now it's everyone does it. And well, yeah. And the standard. revenue from charging oh, people yeah. for their bags went from like $500 million to like, like four and a half billion dollars uh, now. A lot. And then plane tickets keep rising. Yeah. Crazy, t- crazy yeah. stuff, man. Anyway. Uh, so we have you in studio and we're going to like do a, this is the Taylor Grin show, man. We're going to interview you, talk about your background, what you're doing now, all of, all of the exciting things that are going on in your life. Real quick. First, I wanted to go through some of the listener feedback that we've received. And have not done anything with for quite some time. We've been, I've been severely slacking there, but, uh, we've had several of our listeners send in Trump translation quotes. Yes. yes. Uh, we've got this one from the Gaytheist, Mr. Aaron Burton, comes from the New Colossus poem. Uh, that's the sonnet that's written by American poet Emma Lazarus in 1883 to raise money for the construction of the pedestal of the Statue of Liberty. In 1903, the poem was engraved on a bronze plaque and mounted inside the pedestal's lower level. So the original is, Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. And the Trump translation, you want, you want to do? You, oh, go you ahead. Trump? <laughs> go for it. <laughs> uh, so the Trump translation is, Give me a burden, yes. Your people want to worry. The destruction of your sea. Send me these things, homeless. Trouble with me. I will set my lamp over the door of the gate of gold. <laughs> Jesus, he would say that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this, this is also from Aaron Burton. It is from the second act of Shakespeare's Twelfth Night. The original is, Be not afraid of greatness. Some are born great, some achieve greatness, and others have greatness thrust upon them. And the Trump translation is, 
Do not be afraid of size. Some people are born larger. Others have a lot. Well, others are larger than they are. (laughs) Uh, From the preamble to the United States Constitution, the original, of course, we, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. And the Trump translation, we are the People's Congress of the United States, long-term relationships, housing establishment, the maintenance of homeland security, the provision of more security, increased profitability, freedom of independence, and our function depends on the American Constitution. Jesus. That actually sounds very correct. <laughs> That's uh, these, creepily these correct. These all like, are shit yeah. I can totally I'm, picture him saying. I'm pretty sure he said that during a campaign speech. <laughs> Big water, large ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Bigger wall. <laughs> from from listener Stephanie, we have the original, If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. The Trump translation. If you're ready for upgrades... About the times of brotherhood and Trimartin's <laughs> shit. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know Martin how, must have some good shit. I don't know how Martin got in there. But <laughs> well, remember I had that one that Khloe Kardashian showed up in for yeah. some reason? Yeah. Right. It just does that. <laughs> uh, another one from Stephanie. It's like the pot calling the kettle black. The Trump translation. Here is the pan called albumin. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I don't think he would know what albumin is. Yeah, but I don't know what albumin is. I, 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 like, I don't know what it is. That's a weird kind of white aluminum? Or like some sort of 1600s chemistry thing that caused mm. all the guys to get cancer. Yeah, albumin is a protein made by the liver that keeps fluid from leaking out of blood vessels. Ah, yummy. Nourishes oh, tissues useful. and transports hormones, vitamins, drugs, and substances like calcium throughout the body. Mm. And probably beer. It moves beer through the body? Well, that's one of my favorite things then. So we like it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a fan of albumin. (laughs) Uh, Stephanie also uh, sent us a comment and just said, I listen to your podcast at work. I have to say I might have looked crazy today because the quotes being read had me in tears. Pure genius. Thank Thank you. you. Yours were good too, Stephanie. Thank you very much. We appreciate that. We also got a message from listener Mark Armstrong. I said that really fucking weird, didn't I? You I sound mean, like you weren't Mark sure about Armstrong. it. It was mostly right. Like it, well, you didn't add anything. It just so- sounded like your tongue did a somersault in the middle sound, of it. Yeah, it sounded weird. Uh, he sent us a message that says, oh, your Christian Trump voter was priceless. I'm personally totally agnostic, so have no belief or expectation of an interventionist God. You're an atheist. I have, for example, yeah, <laughs> never uh, sworn on a Bible or other book. Both my brothers are churchgoers, as is my mom and my dad was a Mason. My exposure to Mormonism is mostly via your podcast, although I do bump into white shirts occasionally and treat them a bit like Jehovah's Witnesses. I do find the Masonic references in the rituals amusing. Anyway, the central tenet of the Masons is that there is a great architect, perhaps this is one of the ideological foundations of intelligent design. According to my father, that's why there are Masons of many faiths, although most are white Christian males. As usual, enjoy the show, and yes, my children are all vaccinated, <laughs> and I've also eaten lots of apple seeds in my life to no visible effect on my health. <laughs> and, of course, the Purple Dragon, Mr. Grant Larimer, sent us in a few Trump quotes. Or, I'm sorry, just one. Uh, actually, I think he sent us more. 
There should have been more. I got distracted while I was compiling this. It's well, probably in my other file. Fuck him. He can't have a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, he also went with uh, the uh, part of the Colossus poem. Says, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. And the Trump translation is, give me a business, your job, <laughs> your warmth crowd, and your coastal abuse. <laughs> <laughs> All of those immigrants just beating the shit out of the coast, I guess, once they get here. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's a, it's an epidemic. It's called erosion. He would probably tell them, you know, Trump would probably tell them all to pound sand anyway, so... Right? Good one. Anyone? Oh, sorry. Uh, I just thought it was funny that everyone sat there and didn't even... Sorry, man. I would have gave you a courtesy there. That's fine. I appreciate that very much. Uh, what did you guys do over the last week? Uh, I'm looking fuck. at your face. I know. Oh, my face? I've made a pirate mustache? Uh-huh. So yeah. it's no longer a porn mustache. No, it's a pirate mustache. So I can get my windowless van now and not be worried about being it's, marked as a pedophile. It's, it's kind of a Guy Fox mustache. Someone thing else did the say it too. I thought yeah, about yeah. taking the little soul patch, the flavor saver, and making it into a, like a V. Yeah. To more, look more like a guy. More of a point there. Yeah. 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 We're coming up on that, aren't we? November 5th. Yeah. Oh. Is that why you did it? Or no? Uh, no, just... I just did it because. Uh, I got yelled at a little bit by the fire chief for having it going down too low, <laughs> and I realized I had enough to make it curl up, so I'm like, let's fucking do it. I've never done the uh, old school 1800s bare fist boxer yeah. pirate mm-hmm. mustache. Yeah. The fisticuffs. Yeah, yeah. So I did I, it. I like the little the little curls. Yeah. It adds a bit of flair. And people at work seem envious of it. And <laughs> envious of it. <laughs> no one else has decided to grow a mustache like this in the fire station. I guess uh, I'm the first one, so they don't know if it's allowed or not. <laughs> so, so you're a trendsetter from the 1800s. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, our rules about facial hair. Uh-huh. They haven't set a rule about how high up your facial hair can go. <laughs> it's just how low on your face it can be. It's like. There's nothing about how high it can't go above your lip. Uh-huh. I mean, if it doesn't stop you from making a seal, I guess you're yeah. good, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Uh, editing, doing more film stuff. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a busy month for me. Yeah. Yeah, I won't be here next week. Oh, that's right. You told um, me I'm this last in, night. I'm going to be up in Boise next week. Yeah, you told me this last night, and uh, I was thinking about who, who we should get as a guest host. You, you'll figure it out. Yeah. I had somebody in mind. And that well, I'll, I'll. That's a subject for a different time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how about you, Mister Grin? We're going around the table. I'm just going this way. Yeah, we're good. Um, no, I've just been busy traveling out here. Um, I'm in the last year of my master's program uh, in intelligence studies. So right now, I've been studying uh, what's called strategic intelligence, which is like how all the agencies work together. Uh, and so I've got to do a big paper by the end of the semester and I put mine together on like kind of how the DHS, FBI, uh, you know, that kind of thing are all working together to handle white supremacy. So mm-hmm. putting out, putting together that research proposal has been kind of a bear cause there's just not as much research on like white supremacy issues as there are like Islamic radical issues. Sure. So, or those uppity blacks. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, well, like I'm honestly, I, I would imagine that there's probably a preponderance of studies, you know, addressing those angry black people that are around us like, all the time. Right. Like the black Panther. No. So I, I no? don't know, like in the, in the academic journals that I've been looking in, it's been like, if you look, 
radical extremism, you mm. know, or or domestic terror, or domestic violence extremism or anything like that. It's like 95% Islamic extremism yeah. and oh, then yeah. like a small proportion of like white supremacy. Um, but no, I mean, I haven't seen, I mean, literally anything as I'm Well, that makes me happy. Yeah. I figured that that would just exist. That was, hmm. that was a thing I had in my mind that, well, obviously because the government is shitty about these things, that that's a thing that would happen. Yeah. No, that not, not to my experience, but oh. I'm not like operational in that field. Like I don't work with the DHS. So like, I don't know what they do in their offices, you know, but like they, they just focus on kids making clocks as a science project. <laughs> oh God. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that that's very that's very positive. I, like I like I said, I had this notion in my head that clearly this would be a thing because the government. No, I mean, don't get me wrong; it still kind of sucks because, like, even though white supremacists commit half of the violent acts in America since nine mm-hmm. eleven, mm-hmm. there's almost no focus put on them. So that sucks. Oh but, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. because because it's way easier to just stereotype and and scapegoat, you know, Muslims, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, no, I haven't seen anything big uh, that, like, is directed at the black community in the U.S. Oh, well, good. Yeah. I'm happy to hear that. How about you, Mr. Mitchell? Pretty uneventful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Next. Matt has okay. about the most exciting life I've ever seen. <laughs> I did stuff, and I was going to be sure to track what I did, and I didn't, so we'll skip me. I, I did I did stuff. I did the show. Uh, had a bunch of other shit come up. Work was a fucking nightmare because people like to spring things on me at the last minute. Mm. Apparently, like they'll make database changes without letting me, the DBA, know about it. And then when it comes time to make a release, we're going to be doing a new release of the, of our software. They tell me at the last minute, oh, oh yeah, I uh, made some database changes that are going to fuck up everything else that <laughs> you have to do. So now you get to work extra on Friday and you get to come in on Monday on your day off and do some work. So have a nice weekend. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good luck, fucker. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Have fun with that, asshole. So, well, that was about it. Uh, All right. On with the show. Hello, my name is Gleb Zaporski. I am the president of Intentional Insights at intentionalinsights.org. I'm a professor at The Ohio State University studying decision-making in politics and business, and I'm also the leader of the Pro-Truth Pledge project at protruthpledge.org, designed to fight the tide of lies in our politics and promote the truth. And you're listening to The Godless Revolution. Stop making excuses for your holy book. It is an abomination. It encourages abominations. And the more you sacrifice your humanity and your morality to make excuses and try to make it look like, well, God really wanted people to love each other, but they just wouldn't. So he wanted to nudge them in the right direction by saying, you can own people, but just don't beat them too damn much. That's still a weak-ass, immoral God. And you are better than that. Stop making excuses for the immorality. Take responsibility for your life and realize that even if a God tells you that you can own somebody, that God is a piece of shit. Getting to know you, getting to know all about you, getting to like you, getting to hope you like me. All right, Taylor, 
I've been really excited to have you in the studio with us because you've been such a huge part of the show, like for a long time, but not here with us. And you've never met, you've never met, met, and yeah, <laughs> and, and Ryan, Matt, Matt. yeah. <laughs> well, and I don't know that I've met you unless you were ever in St. George, like at the same time. I as met me. you at the American Atheists Convention two years ago in in, in Memphis. Memphis. Oh yeah. no! Oh my God, that was. <laughs> I, I apologize. It was no, so we, eventful. He no, oh God, now I feel moment. like an asshole. No, uh -huh. I, so I probably had like two hours of sleep that entire convention. Oh, so yeah. I know I, oh man, now I feel so like. So I, I ran into you in, it was in the hotel's little like the breakfast foyer restaurant. No, it was okay. their breakfasty restaurant. I think you were in there ordering some coffee and maybe a muffin or something. And you were in line right ahead of me and you turned around and said are you dan and i was like oh yeah yeah and you're like oh hi i'm taylor i lived in southern utah i did this and that and blah blah, blah. i was like oh hey great awesome and we just chit chatted a little bit but well now i feel like a total jerk now i do know that the night before that i had been up literally all night dancing with this person i had bumped into oh yeah so i had had no sleep <laughs> <laughs> so i apologize for not remembering i don't think i remember anything of that day oh so no worries I, at all i'm so sorry um no. That's kind of funny because I like I I figured oh yeah you know Taylor and I met the one time at the convention and I just had in my mind that that was certainly something that we both would remember. That's no that's now I feel like a massive dick. I kind of wish you would cut this part out. Oh, don't 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 worry. We all realize Dan isn't as poor isn't no, as important God, as no, he you thinks he is. Feel like so, I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, Why are you like this? You make me feel terrible. Um, no, I just. No, actually, we've never met. I've never seen you before. You are a huge dick. <laughs> no, honestly, we did. I <laughs> oh, I'm like, what? I'm like, no, I'm I'm confused. No, no, we did, we did, okay. but it was just like super brief. Just like, hi, I'm Taylor. Hi, I'm Dan. How's the convention? You know, how you enjoying the convention? Fine, great. Oh, well, have you know, enjoy the rest of your day, kind of. Okay, thing. well, I, I no, I'm. It seriously, was nothing of consequence. I, well, it is of consequence, <laughs> and now I feel like a dick. <laughs> I hate to put. Uh -huh. Something that's so hilariously funny to bed, but honestly, knowing Dan, he doesn't—he doesn't hold grudges of this type. Oh um, no, at all. Like it's not. No, no, not at all. That's—I just thought it was kind of funny. Oh well, I, I'm glad I met you. I—I'm <laughs> glad I'm here, and I appreciate you letting me crash at your place. Well, in that, well, I guess it is kind of weird because I figured. So later, when when we were doing the show and you contacted us, I thought, oh well, it's probably because I bumped into him at the convention and. Whatever and so yeah, that was just that's kind of yeah. I I don't know. Well, I I know that I've been listening to you for like years. Oh yeah. Um, and I've always loved your content. Um, you know it probably was honestly that I that I had bumped into you that I contacted you, but like in the interim space, like since that time, <laughs> I have just forgotten. Yeah. yeah. So, I I mean. Yeah, that's the best I can say. This is probably one of those like I don't remember how I met you. That's like, that's how did cool. that happen? Like I just I think it's cool like how different people remember different things and how stories mm -hmm. change and yeah. I just think yeah. that's kinda neat. No, I that that conference, man. All I remember is going out <laughs> to like this bar with a bunch of like YouTubers and then the next thing I know I was like back at the hotel like nursing down coffee, wondering <laughs> what the hell had happened that night. So uh, it was, yeah. Dude, I think it was, I think it was either the night before I met you or the following night that I was hanging out with Brian Fields and, um, a few other people and just got wrecked drinking fucking fireball. 
Was oh, that yeah. when Aaron Rod yelled at you during his live podcast? I think it, I think that was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Aaron, Aaron got mad at me when he and Mark were recording the podcast mm. in the house. And then I think it was after that that we went back to the hotel and I was already like fairly drunk and then just started drinking fireball like it was a soda out of the bottle, just glug, 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 and hurt my brain. <laughs> Like I couldn't function the next day. I, I honestly felt like, oh yeah, I felt like I had damaged myself. Yeah, and there was a point at which somebody grabbed me and was like, "Hey, there are street preachers. Like you should go debate them." And I'm like, "I feel like I would get knifed or something. Like I don't know if I want to go engage with the crazy person." That was that was a hell of an event. Well, and and Aaron, he wasn't like super pissed or anything, but I, so, there was somebody else at the party while they were recording the show and. They were trying to open a wine bottle and there was not a corkscrew anywhere in the house to be found. It was so, so Joey was there and Brian and Mark and, uh, Aaron and Christina rad and, you know, just, just a bunch of us hanging out. And, uh, Andrea Desky was trying to open a bottle of wine with the shoe trick. No, no, she, we, we couldn't, you know, they, they were just like, well, what do we use? How do we do it? And I'm like, I can solve this problem. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I found a steak knife and I oh, was, yeah. and the the wine bottle was sitting on the counter and I was trying to pound the steak, you know, the pointy end of the steak knife into the cork because then you can just twist it around and, and get the, get the cork out. But it was being picked up on the microphone a lot more than I thought it would be like from across the room and making these sounds. It, it didn't like, it didn't sound really loud to me, but apparently the microphone yeah. was picking it up really well. And so at one point, Aaron's just like, hey, hey, and waving his arm like, knock that shit off. Stop that hammering. I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit. Sorry, man. Yeah, my bad. But no, he wasn't. He wasn't super pissed. Okay. It was just like, fuck, we're trying to record a show, man. But yeah, he didn't. He didn't really mind a whole lot. There's no big deal. Excuse me. So, yeah, I, I've met you before. These guys haven't. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So I kind of started as, as more of like an atheist activist, uh, when I was in university, I went to Dixie State University, uh, down in St. George and I started like a, like a not quite affiliated secular student alliance down there because at the time, like messaging was just terrible and I wasn't aware that existed. So I just started like a, you know, our own Utah atheist thing. <laughs> we would get together and, and. Uh, grab like coffee at, uh, now defunct Jazzy Java and hang out and do that whole thing. And then I ended up graduating from college and I knew that it was like law school was up there. And I realized that there are like 10,000 more lawyers than there are jobs for lawyers. And that would just suck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I ended up going into the military to do intelligence. And when I went to basic training, um, there were no humanist services, so I kind of reached out ahead of time and, and worked with Jason Torpy of, of the Military Association of uh, Atheists and Freethinkers. And long story short, because I feel like we've done an episode on that already, um, we got humanist services started. And in the interim years, I've done some intel stuff, um, mostly just research, uh, a whole lot of research, and got into a master's program for intelligence studies. And then I ended up going to a cyber operating school, which is way more boring than it sounds. Um, <laughs> like it's, it's very much not, very much not my thing. I'm terrible at it. Um, but I met a really good friend there. Uh, his last name's Bear and he and I have started up our, our site, Grin and Bear Int, because we think we're clever. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Int being for Intel. Yeah. Yeah. 
So that's that's the whole thing. And like I've got my segment on it, which is Grintel, because again, I think I'm clever. And uh <laughs> but I you know, I don't know. Like I've I've gotten to the point where I really enjoy doing research. You know, I've done some research for you guys in the past, uh tried to put together news segments and that kind of thing, and I realized like I really enjoy doing that and that there's Well, you're also really good at it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank I think you. that probably comes from really enjoying what you do, right? Oh, no, I just love it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm very much the kind of person where, like, I'm like a dog chasing a car when somebody says, like, go tell me everything there is to know about this mm. thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, recently, I've just been studying the Ukrainian uh, conflict because one of my coworkers was like, I need to know everything about this yesterday. Like, go find me maps and, you know, where, uh, like, power stations and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh. Cool. Super fun. And so it's just like, okay, here's a presentation that's like 60 slides of everything you ever wanted to know about Ukraine going back like 60 years. And it's like, do you have a life? No, not really. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's fun. I don't know. I'm just a, I'm a nerd and I like studying stuff. Nerd! And, and if I can like take my little notes and put them online and somebody reads them like, okay, cool. I've done something slightly less uh, you know, <laughs> masturbatory. Ah, uh, your words, not mine. Oh, okay, <laughs> but yeah. So no, it's fun. Um, but I don't know. So that's that's kind of my thing. You know, I mean, so my background, which to speak a little bit to, um, I was basically raised within like the proto alt right. Um, back in like the early two thousands, there were a whole lot of like almost your John Bircher kind of constitutionalist movements and and like bring it back to christian america kind of thing and i mean even stuff like oh we should go back to only landowners voting again and just this crazy stuff that was going on especially in southern utah well yeah i was gonna say that a lot of that seems to happen in rural parts of utah Mm -hmm. there's Mm -hmm. there's a shit ton of fucking preppers out here yeah well i grew up only like 45 minutes away from where the bundys live oh yeah like st george is pretty close to that and like like one of the earliest uh tea party gatherings was in st george um yeah so so i was just raised in that like totally suffused in it um i mean i grew up reading like uh bill o'reilly and michelle malkin and ann coulter bogreitz turner diaries (laughs) yeah and so so like one of the big things for me is i got into student debate when i was in high school and in student congress you make like a bill and i shit you not my bill was Build a wall and deport the Mexicans. Like, I'm not joking. That was my student Congress bill. And it was actually like part of my road to not being in like basically an alt-right conservative was debating that bill in student Congress and just getting my ass kicked, you know, and and folks being like, no, you literally can't do that. Like, it makes no goddamn economic sense. Like, there's if if your numbers are true and there are 30 million illegal immigrants, which is bullshit, there's like 12. Um, you literally could not task every single person in INS to like deport those folks. Like, it's not possible. Like, shut up. So, well, here's, here's a big question. Do you still have a copy of that? Of that bill? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. That's a good question. <laughs> I might. Uh, it would be buried in like a box uh, somewhere in a storage container. That would be interesting <laughs> to revisit the, the mindset that you had then versus now. Yeah. No, it really would. Um, my problem is, is that I didn't really journal a lot back then because I also had kind of like a family situation where it was like they were invading my stuff. Um, no, oh, I thought you were going to say, cause you were conservative and you didn't know how to write. Oh, oh God. No, <laughs> damn. <laughs> no, I was, I was more of the like Ben Shapiro, like pseudo intellectual oh, yeah. conservative. And yeah. then like 
people started calling me on my bullshit and my fallacious arguments. And I was like, oh, and you're right. I'm wrong. I'm going to go reexamine my beliefs now. And, <laughs> so not at all like Ben Shapiro. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was kind of a confluence of that. Bear, my, my partner, um, also was raised in kind of the same thing. His was more of like the, the Christian household, you know, that like not quite homeschooled, but like very mm. culturally isolated household. And so the two of us started looking at things like uh, Charlottesville, especially that was our that was our inflection point. That was when we kind of reached out to each other. We saw each other's posts on social media and we were like, we should do something about this. And he was like, I've been working on an essay. And I was like, I've been working on an essay. And we kind of compared notes and we were like, we should we should start publishing this stuff. Yeah. So here we are. Like here, here I am anyway. He's he's in Texas. He's doing a lot of school right now. Um, But yeah, so that's that's kind of where it comes from is like. I have lived that life. Like when, when we covered the, um, the Clinton Trump debate, the second one in October of last year. Oh God, like a year ago now. Um, (laughs) there was a point at which I was like, like you called me a Trump whisperer. I was like, (laughs) well, yeah, cause I know that blend of bullshit. Like I've, I've heard those kinds of talking points before. I've made those talking points before. Back when you were a Trumpler. Back when I was, yeah, before, before, (laughs) like that was even a thing. Like I was a hipster Trump thing <laughs> all right wait I, now now i got a big question are we sure trump didn't find your 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 writings from i mean i was school? in high school and it's about that reading level so yeah i'm sure yeah. maybe that's yeah. where he maybe you gave him the idea to build I the wall and the portal i'm sorry everyone that's my fault that's, <laughs> you on, me. that's on me was this videotape all in high school god no there was, oh. there was well. like before cell phones had cameras on them and stuff no one would have done that well, yeah. people still had VHS camcorders. Not to a debate tournament. Not in school, yeah. yeah There's some no. schools uh, to record everything. Saying Trump could have gotten a hold of the video. You're fucking older than him, dude. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and I worked in a TV station at the school and recorded everything. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know you were the AV club guy. I'm oh, pretty sure you should club. delete those recordings just it in was, case. It was TV9. <laughs> oh. TV9? Yeah, because we're on Channel 9. <laughs> Well, isn't that adorable? It isn't. <laughs> um, so you grew up in Southern Utah. Did, were you born and raised in Southern Utah? Uh, Georgia area? No. So I was born on a military base in Japan. Um, and, uh, we bounced all over the damn country. Uh, and then we lived in Vegas for a while and my parents were converting to Mormonism, right? Uh, well, they were in the process of converting from when I was in like, preschool until i was like in third grade and around that time period they're like well we want to move out of you know vegas which is evil and into utah which has all the mormons <laughs> ah. <laughs> and it sucked all those dirty i lost all my friends and the school system went from being like in the top five in the country to one of the bottom five in the country Welcome and i just got utah. in trouble yeah all the time so uh no but i mean i i, I can say i was raised in utah because like my real foundational years took place in, in saint george I lived there from when, uh, however old you are, in like fifth grade until I graduated from college. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Throughout your formative years? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. So, I mean, that's where it matters. Otherwise, I was just bouncing around all over the place. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but raised Utah Mormon. Not nice. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, so at what point, I mean, you were you were conservative growing up and into high school, and it sounds like even into early days of college or no? A little bit. So... So there were a couple things for me. One, I got sent off to a really terrible uh, military school that was like most of the people who went to that military school were sent there because the choice was like or juvie by the uh, judge. Mm. Um, and so they had this like it was in the deep south. So their their church services were Baptist services. 
Um, and it, if I have to hear Amazing Grace one more time. Uh, <laughs> so they had this like off like area in like the kitchen or something like that where they would send like the handful of us who were not Baptist to like mm-hmm. do our own thing. So I was in there and it sounds like the setup to a joke, but it was literally with like a Muslim, a Jew, an Irish Catholic, <laughs> and then me. Like, and we would just hang out and talk to each other about our religions, right? Uh-huh. And up until that point, like I had some legitimate like proto fascist views. You know, I was like just a hair shy of racist and very much in the alt right type mindset. Um, shy of racist? Just, just like, just, just south of it. Race like, not adjacent. quite there. Because, yeah, because I don't know how you can hold those other political views and not be not and not be more than flirting with the line of right. race, well, racism and, and and maybe that I'm just trying to like maybe I'm still really embarrassed about my past self um but it's that sort of um what's that like cultural relativistic argument that kind of goes around in the alt right circles today where they're like well not all cultures are equal and so we're really talking about that culture you know <laughs> is is kind of the direction that that was going and it hmm. was like I never had the thought that like oh like that that race is like inferior, but it was very much like that culture doesn't seem to be successful, you I know, see. and then and then you get educated and you're like, oh, shit, no, that culture is not successful because our culture has been stomping them into the ground for 150 years and they've mm. never had a chance. Right. But mm. up until that point, I hadn't been exposed to those ideas. Mm. And so that was a big step was was sitting in on that that sort of religious closet. Right. With the other folks who were not Southern Baptists that helped. Um it was actually after that, that I debated that that um, build a wall bill. And uh, mm. so we lived in St. George, but a lot of the debate tournaments we would go to were in Las Vegas because I had so many more schools. And Las Vegas is a lot more diverse than St. Mm-hmm. George. So I would get people of every stripe just pounding me into the ground on that stupid bill. And that taught me a lot. Um, but it was really going to college and studying philosophy. I took on philosophy as a minor when I was in university. I was going to SUU for a while. And I had this fantastic professor, um, Kirk Fitzpatrick, who spoke like ancient Greek and would just start reading out of like the last days of Socrates in Greek and then translate it and be like, what he actually means here is that. And he just challenged the shit out of me. And made me go back and reassess a lot of the things that I thought about the world. And like we were talking about this in the car earlier Mm -hmm. um, is that like I don't know there wasn't like a big inflection point. You know, it was kind of like when you fall asleep, like you don't know when it happens. It just sort of suddenly like you're like, oh, I'm a different human now. Mm -hmm. And somewhere between like my freshman and sophomore year of college, like I just realized I was a completely different human with like almost the opposite views. And in very much like a Mark Twain kind of way, like getting out and seeing more of the world and talking to people who are not, you know, the small alt-right proto folks in in St. George Mm. was the biggest part of that, Mm. was interacting with those people. So, yeah. I would say you don't have anything to be embarrassed about. I mean, not that you need validation from me, but I'm just saying that there's a huge difference between a stupid kid who doesn't know anything about the world holding... Uh, you know, bad views that are based on the influences they've had around them. And then an adult who's doing the same thing and is completely unwilling to reexamine those views. Right, right. Well, and I mean, there's so, still like that aspect of, you know, it's funny, like you can't remember your password to the computer, but you'll sit up right in the middle of the night thinking about that one time that you said something stupid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's very much that. Like, it's very much that sense of like, oh, I was such an idiot. Um. But yeah, no, you're yeah. right. And I, mean, I, I appreciate that because like you're absolutely right. But it's still 
drives me sometimes is that sense of like, oh, well, shit, how about the other kids who never had those experiences? Hi, this is Justin Schieber, formerly of the Reasonable Doubts podcast and currently of Real A Theology, and you are listening to The Godless Revolution. You are so beautiful. Oh, thank you. Where's that bracelet I got you? Oh, which bracelet? The one with the little engraving. Oh, the what would Jesus do? Oh, it was a nice one. Yeah, it is nice. I just, I got dressed really fast, so I didn't remember to put it on. You know what Jesus would do? What? I think he would wear the bracelet. You think Jesus would wear a bracelet that says, what would Jesus do? Well, he would if his mother-in-law got mm-hmm. it for him. Wouldn't it say, what would I do? And wouldn't he know? You and the godless revolution will be reassimilated in three, two, one. So how do you, I don't know, you would think that with all of the new ways in which people are able to communicate with each other, that we would see then less of that kind of thing, right? That we would see less of the proto-fascists Quite or white the opposite or whatever. But yeah, it and we and we're not. And so, so I, why is that? Do you think? I, I read this article recently um, about what are called deliberative enclaves, um, which is basically to say that people will kind of concentrate themselves with other like-minded individuals, and because of how flat the the internet is. And it's really easy for anybody to go find anything that they want to like read or listen to or talk to, right? So if you're a neo-Nazi, it's really easy for you to go find other neo-Nazis online. It's really easy for you to stop interacting with anyone else. So rather than diversifying your views and seeing more, the openness and ease of the internet have actually enabled people to like cloister themselves. Like, I mean, Let's say that one out of every million Americans is like a neo-Nazi or has those tendencies, right? They'd almost never bump into each other in the real world. But suddenly mm-hmm. you make it so that you can communicate anywhere, anytime. Now you can find all of them, mm-hmm. right? So that allows you to cloister yourself intellectually in a way that wasn't possible before. Not only that, it it, cre- it kind of creates this feeling for them that so many more people hold this view than actually do. That mm-hmm. y- that's why I think some of this boldness that we see from, you know, Spencer and and his cronies. That, I mean, of course, led by the White House, but you know, when when you're only on the the comment section of Breitbart, you feel like the whole world agrees with you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, and there's this thing. Um, I know there's like a real name for it, but uh, there's a couple of writers at Crack.com who just produce fantastic work. Um, John Cheese and, and David Wong in particular. I think it was David Wong who published this article a while back called The Monkey Sphere. And he was talking about research that showed that human beings can only really keep track of about 150 like names faces at a given time. And like we literally just have a hard limit of like memory space for that. Right. Hmm. So if all the individuals that you're interacting with, like, and that's, that's not just like my mom and my aunt, you know, and that kind of thing, but like the public figure figures that you're keeping track of, right? Your heroes and that kind of thing. If all of those individuals are of the same mindset, that's going to significantly color like the way that you perceive the entire social world. Mm. And that's just a human limitation. Yeah. Well, I think beyond even just a limitation of memory or anything, it's just, that's all you have time for, right? Right. I I mean, in order to track more than 150 people in your day to day life would just, consume more time than you have available to do all of the other things that you have to do in your life with work and family and 
yeah. any other activities that you've got going on. Well, I've even found that in my research. Like for a while, I was keeping like just these little dossiers of like big political figures. And I found myself starting to like lose recollection of details of like people I went to college with. I was like, oh, I don't really have a beat on them anymore. I'm like, oh shit, I'm filling up my monkey sphere with like <laughs> Steve Bannon and like <laughs> Trump and stuff. Like, oh crap. <laughs> so I had to step back a bit from that and be like, I'm writing it down and putting it out of my head and mm. go get out in the real world. Yeah. So how does one study things like that without necessarily being attracted to that particular subject? Oh, man. Um, I mean, wasn't it Aristotle who said, like, the surest sign of intelligence is to be able to uh, entertain an idea without necessarily believing in it? Mm -hmm. Like, you, there is, there's definitely a degree of, like, caution, you know? Um, I did this big piece on Bannon, right? And mm -hmm. by the end of it, I was like, oh, shit, like, I've got a lot of the same books on my bookshelf as this guy. <laughs> like, it, it was terrifying. And I was like, man, am I like, am a I psychopath? in a good spot? Yeah. I'm like, am I, is this, and, and I realized like, no, a lot of those books were like books that just the intelligentsia are reading, you know? And I was like, mm -hmm. no, I'm, I'm pretty good. But there's this, this aspect of like, it'll almost make sense. And then you have to, I don't know, implement critical thinking. A part of critical thinking is, is meta thinking, right? Thinking about your thinking. Uh, and now I've said that word too many times, um, <laughs> but like, you really do have to step back and, and say like, what am I thinking about? Like, what are my mental processes going on about? You know, um, am yeah. I checking my biases? Yeah. You might have those books, not as I believe everything in this book. And this is a guide for my life more of, Hey, I want to read this cause I want to know what the other side is thinking. I want right. to look at this critically and evaluate what they're reading. So I know more about them. Yeah. And there, there is an aspect of like actually getting into the person's head. Like there's definitely an element of like, let me try and think like Steve Bannon for a minute. Okay. Now that I put the handle down, um, you know, <laughs> what, yeah, but, but for real, you've got to analyze different worldviews, different paradigms and try and say, what if my assumptions of the world were significantly different? What conclusions would I come to? Because if I try to think about somebody else's strategy, but with my value set, I'm going to make a wrong assessment of like what they're going to do mm -hmm. because they value different things than I do. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know. I mean, part of that is just learning how to like decompress. Like I, I've got a really good decompression ritual where it's like, nope, I'm done studying. I'm going to go smoke a cigar, have a whiskey, listen to some music, like pull myself out of that space and then go do something else. Because, yeah, I mean, I could see myself starting to like adopt negative views simply by exposure to them. Um, but just, I don't think critically, like take that space. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Be able to provide some separation. So you mentioned that you, wrote up this big thing on Bannon and we haven't, we haven't really talked about that yet. No, no, we really haven't. I, um, mm. I did a really good job at like, or a really bad job, wrong word, <laughs> wrong word, really bad job at, um, like, like previewing this. So, uh, if you haven't figured it out, uh, <laughs> I was Alexander Scholl the whole time. Um, <laughs> In the kitchen with the mustard jar. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, so um, that was a ton of fun. Um, back in like October, uh, right after I did the debate, you know, one of the things I said is like, I've got kind of like a secret project coming up because the idea of Grin and Barrent has been kind of rolling around in my head for a while. Hmm. And and Alex Scholl was, was honestly more of like a test balloon than anything for me. I was a little bit worried about like the degree to which I could 
be involved in like media production because of like my prior military service and that kind of thing. But I realized it wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, but there was also the like, I'm not sure if I'm ready to like dive into this yet. So I produced some content. You know, I started doing some new stuff for you guys. I put together that Bannon piece, which was just crazy. I had like 60, yeah. 70 primary sources for that thing. And I'm still working on a similar one for Manafort right now. Oh yeah, dude, we could have done three episodes yeah. with the amount of material you gave us. Well, and it's, oh, it's yeah. like, we, we ended there. up with two, but yeah, we could have done more even. <laughs> yeah, no, but it was, I mean, that was fun. Like, that's what I enjoy doing mm -hmm. is, is to really dig deep into an issue and find out like what's really causing it. Cause there's so much analysis that's just surface level. Right. Um, and to really try and get into someone's head will tell you more about like what they're going to do in the future. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm really glad that you guys were willing to host that, especially with me using a like cowardly ass pseudonym. <laughs> but yeah, no, it helped like a well, lot. Well, we understood at the time, like we know. That your career feeling like, well, it's, you know, if there's a conflict, we'll keep it a secret. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate it. But it's been like, it is a blast and I'm happy to like make more of that stuff. Yeah. So well, well, I think it's, I think it's awesome that you appreciate giving us shit to do on I the know. show. Like, yeah. <laughs> you guys gave me a medium and a microphone under a, like, not my name. <laughs> And, and so, I mean, that was like, that was a lot of risk on your part. Like, what if I had done a shitty job? You know, like, so yeah. I appreciate that. We, that means we a lot. knew well, you up to, yeah, we, we had, knew you I before think we that. Had, yeah. had you on the show at least, maybe at least, twice? At least, yeah. Well, at least twice. I was going to say at least three times. Cause but. I know you were on, I think I was gone when you were on the, the one of the debates. Mm -hmm. Then we had you on talking about, uh, starting the, up the, the human service, the human yeah. service and basic training. Mm -hmm. Then, yeah, you, I think you were, did you do, do two debates? Uh, I think we intended to do a second debate. No, you know, it might have been one of the Bernie and, and Hillary debates that I was in mm -hmm. on as well. Um, cause I feel like when I was yeah, asking maybe. if I could be on for one of the Clinton Trump debates, that uh, it was in the context of like, Hey, that first time it worked really well. Can I come do it again? And, uh, yeah, but I can't recall specifically. Yeah. I think, I think it was one of the Clinton Sanders debates. Yeah. As well, but yeah, I think I think we had had you on the show at least three yeah, times. Yeah, so before. so we knew about you. We we've all of us have talked to you, you know, through Messenger, and we've all oh, yeah. chatted for a while. And you're so we in trusted a you. Master's program for intelligence. Have you heard this fucking shit show? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I went to high school. <laughs> I don't know. Like I really enjoy listening to you guys. Like I feel like a lot of the news that I put together to like sling at you guys and say like, hey, maybe feature this has been like right in line with the kind of stuff that you are already covering like it's very mm -hmm. much just like here's some topics and like here's my thoughts but like it it looks to me very similar to the kind of stuff that you guys would describe in your news segments some of that's on purpose like you guys do a pretty good job of like here's a topic let's chew it up and then move on to the next topic and i i appreciate listening to that well thank oh, you very thanks. much that thank you i well, i just figure we come down here and talk about shit that we think about and i don't know i guess i i've never viewed what we do as all that important in the grand scheme of things, but I take that as a very high compliment coming from you. Well, honestly. and it's like, I, I, there's a lot of dime a dozen, I don't want to say dime a dozen, there are a lot of like atheist podcasts about atheism, mm -hmm. and you guys do a really good job of making it about more than just atheism. You Some know, people make, hate that. I mean, I think that's why the the 
some of those shows stay so strict, you know, because mm-hmm. people are like, man, well, I'm a libertarian atheist. Why are you atheist. talking about politics all the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it affects our fucking lives. Yeah, thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Well, not only that, but, like, there's tons of other podcasts that will do that for you. This one doesn't have to. Like, that's, yeah. what, right, the, right, right. that's what the internet does. Yeah. So, yeah, no, yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I, well, fuck, I, I love this show. If, yeah. I, if I didn't, I wouldn't be doing it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't want to restrict us to any one particular type of topic that we can talk about, especially when politics is really what goes on in the world around us all the fucking time. Yeah. Right. And like, I would love to live in a world where like politics, I would love to live in a world where I don't know the name of the secretary of treasury, right? Mm-hmm. Like that would be fantastic. Cause you yeah. don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you wouldn't have but- to hear about his shitty wife bragging about her. Yeah. Designer clothing stepping off of a government plane. Or wondering, like, is Ben Carson ever going to wake up and do his job? Like, <laughs> you know, like, Ben Sleepy Time Carson. How do yeah. I know all these names? Like, that's terrible. I shouldn't. Like, I went through the entire <laughs> Obama administration knowing, like, one or two members of his, of his executive, like, cabinet. And now it's like, no, I know all these people by name. I'll see their, like, name in the headline. Be like, oh, okay, that guy did this last week. And it's like, why do I know that? Like, I just want to yeah. go home and sleep. Like, <laughs> isn't that paradoxically weird that, like, there are people out there doing a great job that you'll never really hear about because they're doing a great mm-hmm. job. Well, it's like when Bender became God in Futurama, you know? Like, if you've done a good job, no one <laughs> yeah. will ever know you were there. Yep. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if things are going smooth, they got no reason to know who the fuck you are. Right. If you fuck up, everyone's going to know your name. Because you're attached to it. Yeah, and I would love to go back to that, but it's not going to happen. And in the meantime, we need to, like, try and make that happen. So since we just said that this isn't really an atheist show, let's talk about religion some more, shall we? Uh, <laughs> well, we when, didn't say it wasn't an atheist well, show. Well, right. Not exclusively anyway. Um, but now let's go, let's go back to you growing up as a young Mormon. Were you, were you all in? Were you a true believing Mormon young man? No. Um, so my parents converted when I was young. Um, Young enough that I remember waking up in the mornings and smelling my mom brewing coffee Mm. and like just how happy I was every morning. Just like that smell, you know, kind of carrying across the whole house. Yeah. 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 And then I remember like when it stopped, right? Uh, Home sucked. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I remember when like, you know, because moves seemed to punctuate like when they would get more and more religious. You know, like hmm. we lived in Wisconsin for a while. Hey, and, high five. Yeah, right. Portage. <laughs> um, you know, and like I was extremely Fucking young. I don't remember make anything. Make a toast but... with cheese or something over there. <laughs> Fuck, yeah, it's called grilled cheese. Mm. Get some tomato oh, soup up in toast here. Toast with cheese. Nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, no, Jesus. but then, then like we went to we went to like Michigan, and then suddenly it was like, oh, we were going to church every weekend, and we go to Vegas, and it's like, oh, well, now you know I can only have Mormon friends, you know, and it just like kept getting incrementally like more Mormon, and the entire time I was getting bullied by the the like other peers. Peers is the word. Yeah. Um, you know, and like they were pushing like more and more of the like Mormon doctrine. Like we had these, like it was like the Old Testament, like comic book kind of thing mm-hmm. where it was like the different verses with illustrations. And like, um, I remember when they wouldn't let me watch the old Tim Burton Batman movies anymore because they were too dark, you know, oh, and I had to like sneak out under cover of night with my dad. One of the really cool things he did for me when I was growing up is he was like, we're going to go watch Nightmare Before Christmas, um, because I, you won't shut up about it. But you're not going to tell your mom that that's what we went out and did, you know? And, and that was awesome. But then like those, those moments went away, you know? And then 
for me, it was a huge deal when I got my baptism, right? And the confirmation, because um, up until that point, I had already been really skeptical, mostly because of like shit that didn't make sense, like the flood, mm-hmm. right? I remember being in an airport. I think we were flying to Vegas. And uh, I asked my dad, like, oh, well, maybe the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs actually brought the dinosaur skeletons to Earth. And that's why we have those instead of the flood. Even then, my dad was like, I don't know. That seems kind of like bullshit. And I'm like, (laughs) okay, all right. I'm going to keep reading my National Geographics then. Trying to help you out here, Dad. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. So so anyway, anyway, yeah, I was doing my my baptism confirmation thing. And that's like for you non-Mormons out there. Um, they, They do like this blessing. Um, where like a whole bunch of old dudes put their hands on your head and say a prayer and it's super creepy. Yeah, and, totally not pedophiles. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. And, and so, so it's this whole like, you know, confirmation to go along with the baptism. And I remember praying like in my own head thinking like, okay, God, like if you want me to be like on your team, like, can you show me anything? Like, can I get anything resembling like a sign, a voice, some evidence, something? Nothing. I just felt nothing. And so at that point, I was like, all right, well, I'm more on the no side than the yes side. Um, But the thing is, is like, I didn't have a concept of atheism. Like, one of the things I learned about in philosophy is that a lot of times cultures can't understand a concept without having a word for it. Like, there was a time before Mm -hmm. civilization had the concept for zero, right? Mm. Like, it's hard to imagine now, but, like, there was a time when people couldn't comprehend nothing of a thing, right? Mm-hmm. And and so that was me with atheism, like, that there was a possibility that there was no God. Like, it was like zero for an ancient Babylonian for me, right? Um, So I actually got into um, Wicca for a while, and it's really funny why, um, <laughs> is because I thought that it followed more of a scientific method like the idea was is if you like say some words and light a candle and have some sense and have like colored shit and that kind of thing like all of those things will somehow like pull some threads right but like if you put together the right combination of shit you can like create an outcome and to me it was like well that's testable you know like if i do this thing so many times and like there is an effect or there is not an effect that that seems to be a lot more testable than like prayer yeah. So I went on that for a while, and that was part of why I got sent to that military school, part of why I don't keep a journal <laughs> when I was a kid. Um, let you put those little threads together on that one. Um, but yeah, so I was really into paganism for a while, and then I started to like get wise on my own where I was like, you know, not all of this can be true, but like maybe if you believe it hard enough, you can have like a, a subconscious effect, right? So I started talking with my other Wiccan peers of like calling it the great lie, you know, like you convince yourself that it works and that subconscious effect will like make you feel more powerful or make you feel more lucky or whatever. And I went to, to SUU and I was studying philosophy, which, you know, I mean, all you have to do is read Descartes and be like, oh, you know what he was really saying, right? Um, like God is bullshit. And I started taking um, psychology classes. And I was specifically studying, um, like those sorts of subconscious effects, like how people can psych themselves into believing things. And so once I started like getting under the hood of how the human brain works, I was like, oh, okay, the shit I was doing was all bullshit. And then like somebody <laughs> introduced me to like, uh, Christopher Hitchens book. And I was like, oh, okay, here we go. Like that's it. And I started, uh, reading Hitchens a lot. I started listening to, um, Reasonable Doubts, the podcast, and they just tear apart everything. That was a great fucking show. Oh, my God. That was foundational for me. Yeah. Really. So, yeah. Anyway, that's yeah, that's Matt, my religious story. Yeah, Matt turned me on to Reasonable Doubts, and yeah. 
really, really fantastic show. Oh yeah. Yeah, I I'm I'm a little further left than them and I'm much more sort of aggressive than they are, but they're but they're incredible thinkers. Yes. And great communicators. Oh yeah, very much so. Um and just sharp as a whip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Super, yeah. super smart. I just put together my little emotional ramblies, you know, but those guys have like pages of well thought out <laughs> arguments for everything and I should go listen to that again. Yeah. I, I actually started listening to it a second time uh, a couple months ago and then I've gotten too busy. I, I, I got up to episode like 25 or something like that before I decided, okay, well, I need to listen to these other new things first and I can go back when I have time. Just haven't had the time to do it again. Um, so you, you didn't really believe, you didn't have an active belief in the LDS church. Um, was there a time when you thought, okay, well, I'm actively going to distance myself from the LDS church? I mean, you, you said that you went and were doing Wiccan stuff and, and pagan stuff. Um, was that, was that a part of wanting to distance yourself from the LDS faith? I don't even think it was that. It was because I didn't have a concept for atheism. It was like, well, I have to have something to fill that gap, right? So what makes the most sense? None of it makes any sense, but like Wicca for me was like, well, yeah, because of the, the, um, scientific method, you know, I'm doing quotes fingers, which is terrible for radio. Um, <laughs> oh, we do it all the time. <laughs> yeah. You know, because of that, like, oh, maybe I can see like that there is a, a causal link between my actions and consequences. Maybe that's better. Right. Um, I did that for a while. I got sent off to that military school and I really wanted to get the fuck out of there. And so at that point, I just started lying about being back into Mormonism, among other things, came back, played the game for a while. Um, towards like my junior, senior year of high school, I got a job and I went to my boss and I was like, here's the deal. Like, you're going to schedule me every Sunday. And if my parents ask, <laughs> you're going to say that, like, I have to because I'm the bottom rung of the totem pole or some shit. Like, you're just get, like, solve this problem for me. You'll never hear me complain about a damn thing you make me do. And so. Yeah, I'll work every Sunday you want me to. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I'll be your Sunday guy. Like, I'm <laughs> done. Just between these hours when church is held, like, make it happen. <laughs> so. No, I absolutely like walk the walk, but I never really like believed it. You know, it always seemed like bullshit. It never seemed like the, the people, uh, who were at the church were like actually following the teachings or that like, no, that that's just a good guy doing good things. Like he's not doing that because Joseph Smith. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, my dad made a big mistake where he would punish me by making me read the Bible. Um, forgetting that I have like an insane reading speed. Um, <laughs> So I would just like read the Bible in like a week and be like, oh, you know, all of a sudden, like the Song of Solomon really seems like a porno, you know, or like uh he made me read um Talmud, right? Like Jesus the Christ, which is this dense, dense apologetic tome that's kind of like a C.S. Lewis book, you know, with with general Christianity. And I was like, this is all just bullshit. Like he's just ad hoc, you know, or, or post hoc, like justifying these Mormon beliefs with like whatever rambly shit that he can come up with and cloaking it in this like scholarly language where he's really just taking additional time to say something like I am right now, you know? And, uh, <laughs> but I mean, that was a thing is like, I never like, no, I was never like a true believing Mormon there. I don't think there was a point at which I was like, yeah, this, this could totally be the case. My name is Dr. Karen Garst. I am the author of women beyond belief, discovering life without religion I also have a blog at www.faithlessfeminist.com. 
You can find me on Facebook at Faithless Feminist and Twitter. I'm at Karen underscore Garst. And you are listening to The Godless Revolution. And this is one of the things I, I find useful about Twitter because I, I follow some very interesting people. And so Ann Applebaum, the, the Washington Post columnist, she just keeps hammering Trump with with her own points and, and other stuff that she finds. And she just pointed out that did anyone notice that Trump threatened a war with North Korea two days ago? It was in the F- Financial Times. And yet no one can talk about it because no one believes him. It's like we have a president whose speech has now become so denuded of perceived truth value that he can say, if China doesn't handle North Korea, we're going to. And no one even feels like they have to ask a follow-up question on that topic because everyone assumes it's an empty bluff. Please stand by. The Godless Revolution will continue in a moment. Here follows a public service announcement for the Two Skeptical Chaps podcast. (laughs) Greetings, Americans. Over here in London, we are well aware that not all of you are loud, xenophobic, racist, sexist, religious nuts. But many of your politicians who display these frightful traits seem to be quite popular. Particularly a certain wall-obsessed, small-handed, best-word-using, daughter-perving, war-inciting, candy-floss-headed clown. To those of you who choose to follow such balderdash, we strongly recommend not to listen to the two sceptical chaps. It probably won't be your cup of tea. Otherwise, give us a listen. Each episode, we cover any news or current affairs from across the globe. Things that annoy or delight us. That's two, as in the number two. And sceptical with a K. The wrong way to spell it. Cheerio! Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. Do you have any siblings? I do. Um, I've got two younger brothers. They're like five and seven years younger than me. Um, one of them is like a, like a doesn't give a fuck ostic. Um, <laughs> and then honestly, they're both kind of that way. They're both like super soft humanists. Like they're like, yeah, okay, sure. Like there is no God and like this is probably a good philosophy, but I'm just going to live my life. You yeah. Know? Um, and growing up, like they played the game, but there was I was taking all of the flack. So, like, they never really had to do anything, like, for my folks to be like, oh, okay, like, you guys are cool. They were just like, oh, we'll show up to church on time. We're good to go. Like, right? At least those two aren't devil worshippers. Well, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, they're, they're doing good for themselves. Yeah. Hunter does uh, voice acting. Colin does. Uh, he's a military cop. So, I, they're awesome guys. They're going to be living with me in, like, a year uh, when they start going to my university. So, yeah. Oh, wow. I don't know if I'd say military cop is doing good for yourself. Well, he really enjoys, like, training with checking guns. I- oh, <laughs> checking IDs, I was going to say. Yeah, well, also that. <laughs> yeah, hoping that the Australians are there, too, is is uh, a big thing for him. But, because they're just fun, apparently. But yeah, Oh, yeah, we had Australian medics, and they were crazy. They just rip it up, yeah, from what I hear. Yeah, so, they're fun. <laughs> yeah. So did mom and dad know that you're an out atheist? Did you oh, ever have yeah. a conversation with <laughs> oh, them yeah. about oh, it? Oh, yeah. It's, it's one of those things that's like not off talked about type thing because yeah. they, they actually left the Mormon church. They're still like – so my dad is like that non-denominational, like super right-leaning Christian, like just ambiguously Christian. Loves Trump. Yeah. 
Yes. Um, yeah, I know it it is what it is. Um, my mom is, is just like, go with the flow. Like it's just a non-issue for her. She's like maybe ambiguously Christian. I haven't really asked her in like 10 years. Well, what really, so you said that they converted to Mormonism when you were young. What were they before or were they anything? My mom grew up Baptist and my dad grew up Catholic. My mom was, was raised in Flint and my dad was raised in Chicago, the South side. So he's Polish Catholic and she was Southern Baptist raised in, in Michigan. So. I don't know how the hell that happened. Yeah, I was yeah, going that, to say, how did like they would fight more than get along with each other? Well, yeah, and that's the thing is like well, they both and, joined the military yeah. to get the hell out of yeah. where they were, right? Like that was their thing is like the only way I'm ever going to escape from this place is to join the military. They met there and then they had like a wingman who was also or who was Mormon and they were like, that seems cool. And that way we aren't raising our kids <laughs> with two religions their whole lives. So sure, this will, this will raise them up, you know, to be good religious kids and. Clearly that uh, worked. Okay. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> yeah, I was I was thinking maybe the you know the LDS missionaries had visited them and convinced them or whatever. No, but... it was just one of their buddies at, at in Japan on the airbase. Huh. Yeah. He he chose to be a missionary on his own while in the military. Pretty much, yeah. Every every what saint a proselytizer or whatever that is. Yeah, every Mormon a missionary. Mm. So whatevs. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. They do them at this point, like it. There's a lot of past stuff that I could be upset with them about, but now it's like, uh, it's in the past. You can't change it. Pretty much. Yeah. So when you had the conversation with them, how did that come about? I think I left like, so in 2009, the economy crashed and, uh, I had to drop out of SUU and I moved up to Montana for a while when my dad was staying. Um, and I was just working like three jobs to just save up money to go back to school. And at the time, like the iPod touch had just come out. I, I'm getting to answer your question, I promise. Um, and, and so it was like, oh my God, this is like a computer I can put in my pocket. It's so cool. And I discovered podcasts and I discovered Godless, Re- uh, not Godless Revolution, sorry, um, uh, uh, Reasonable Doubts, mm-hmm. right? And I started listening to that because I was working as a night shift guy at a hotel. Got to fill the time somehow, right? Mm-hmm. So I started listening to that, reading Christopher Hitchens. And I think I like left a Hitchens book on my desk. My folks are like, what the hell is this? And I'm like, I don't know, Christopher Hitchens. God is not great. I mean, is he? And, <laughs> and like, it was one of those things where they were like, well, you're an adult, so you do you. Like, that. that's one thing. I had a very restricted adolescent upbringing, mm-hmm. exceptionally restricted adolescent upbringing. But to their merit, the day I turned 18, they were like, you're an adult, you do you. Like, we're not going to try and stop you from doing you. Like, we're not going to hold anything over your head. Like, they have not been, like, emotionally manipulative this way that, like, some parents continue to be. Particularly within the LDS faith. Yeah, yeah. they have not done that, which is fantastic. So they were like, Mm. all right, well, that, you know, we don't like it, but you do you. Mm. And I don't really bother them about it. Like, I don't don't see the need to deconvert them because, I don't know, they don't proselytize. You know, it's not like they're adding more people to religion. It doesn't help me any. Yeah. To do so. So I just do me. You know, it was a little upsetting when it's like, oh, you know, kind of helped start humanist services for Air Force basic training. I think like 20,000 people have been to that now over the mm-hmm. last four years. That's mm-hmm. kind of cool. And they're like, eh, we don't like it. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> sure. Well, I'm very proud of you for doing oh, that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Awesome. Thanks. I feel like my daddy issues have been solved. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. No, seriously, thank yeah, you. I, I didn't like the fact that when I went through basic, it was a choice of either mop floors or or uh, go to church. Right, right. And and that's actually the point I brought up to Jason Torpy when I wrote him was like, I don't want this to happen to me. He's like, we have been waiting for someone <laughs> to say that. Like, please do that. So 
Yeah. Anyway. Um, but no, I don't know. My dad and I get in debates. Um, less so. And, and I think because like Trump is a lot harder to defend than Obama was to attack with fake news. You know, I'll, right. I'll put it that way. Right. And so he has been far less tolerant of getting in debates with me uh, about politics since November. And I think that that has a lot to do with it. So yeah, but I don't know. He does him. I do me. Like that's, I'm my own man, you know, is kind of my thing. Uh, I was very much on my own for my early adulthood after moving out of the house. So it's like, yeah, my parents, like they raised me and I have a good relationship with them now, but they're not that looming shadow like parents are for a lot of ex-Mormon yeah. Yeah. folks. Mm. Well, it's, it's kind of weird. Like it sounds like our fathers are similar, but have, but have things flipped, right? So, so your dad is, is a Trump supporting right wing guy, but isn't really all that much into the church anymore. And my dad fucking hates Trump, but is all in with the LDS church these days mm -hmm. and believes a bunch of other crazy nonsense. Yeah. Well, and, and one of the things that's hard for me to resolve is the fact that like, as smart as I am, like my dad's probably got a good five, 10 IQ points on me. Like he's got a library that is about the size of this room, just lined with books. Right. I mean, imagine me and the sort of stuff I did for that Bannon piece, but like plus 20, 25 years of mm. study, you know, cause he's, he's pursuing a degree in like foreign policy right now, you know, just basically for fun. Oh, wow. So yeah, but the problem is that he's got more of the Bannon paradigm than, you know, a, Western liberal democratic paradigm. So yeah. does that make you question your, your current beliefs? Um, that well, to know that, you know, he's got, he, that he may have a few IQ points on you and all of these years of experience and he's still learning things and you guys have diametrically opposed political mm -hmm. opinions there. Does, right. does that? Well, I mean, yes, but like yeah. I should question my beliefs. Right. Like, Absolutely. like yeah. yes, I yeah. should. Um, and I do. You know, I try to look at my assertions and assessments and assumptions about the world and, and think, like, what if I'm wrong? Like, I'll sit down and every once in a while I'll play a game and say, like, what if I'm wrong about everything? Like, what would the consequences be? Mm -hmm. You know, like, what if my view of, like, geopolitics is just totally off? Like, what if zero sum is better than Western liberal democracy, right? Like, maybe we should go back to spheres of influence, which is weird intelly stuff, but maybe, like, one nerd out there will get that. <laughs> um, you know, like, like what if, what if, uh, you know, transgender is a mental illness? You know, like, what if, uh, uh, you know, like, not all cultures are equal? Like, I'll play that game, and then I'll try and take it to its logical conclusion, and oftentimes I find that it just doesn't make sense, right? And I'll try and challenge my beliefs, uh, because if I don't do a good job of, like, attacking my own beliefs, rather than attacking the opponent's beliefs or reinforcing my beliefs. Cause like, it's like positive versus negative, you know, like it's not good enough for me to just go out and find studies to support what I believe. I need to actively try and like oppose that. And if my beliefs survive that opposition, then they're good beliefs. Right. Um, so, you know, I continue to believe that like cultures are equally valid and that transgender individuals are equally valid because it makes sense. Like the data supports that. Well, I, I think I find that a lot of the people that I know on the left, and of course, you know, I'm, I'm in my own little monkey sphere or whatever, whatever the term was, right? <laughs> that I, I know a lot of atheist people, a lot of progressive people, but at the same time, 
I do what you said, where I want to make sure that what I believe is correct, because, you know, I, I want to make sure that if I'm influencing anybody else, I'm influencing them in a positive way and in, and in a way that is correct, right? I don't want to be spouting and spreading false information to a bunch of people. I don't want yeah. my personal beliefs to be something that are not correct. I want to make sure that what I believe and think is the least wrong thing that's that's available, yeah. right? Well, and that comes from, so I, I did journalism in college, mm -hmm. right? And then I did intelligence with the military. And to draw like a completely, um, like, this can't possibly be me hypothetical, right? Because it's going to be like a military type scenario. I'm not in the Marines, right? But like, let's say that I was a Marine intelligence guy, right? And my whole thing was to determine whether or not like the Chinese are stocking up ships to like invade this shore, right? If I make a wrong assessment, people die, right? Um, so I have to like know how they think. I have to know how I think. I have to know what policy looks like. And if I don't attack my own beliefs and challenge them in order to get the most accurate view of what could be happening, people could die, right? Or, mm. you know, political situation could happen like that. Mm. There are real world consequences. You know, when I was working in journalism, like if I don't dig into the right issues and try and get everybody's side of the story, you know, like let's take a hypothetical, like guy gets accused of like, having sex with one of his students, right? Like, if you get that story wrong, that man's entire mm. life is ruined. Yeah. So you have to do diligence. Uh, do do diligence. Um, <laughs> you do. <laughs> do, do. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> so, I mean, like, that's important. And I don't know, like, that's one of the things that Bear and I are hoping that the site will help to do. I've been putting out a few articles, so is he, on, like, what investigatory journalism might look like or what, good logical processes look like what good sources look like because um you know dear listener like it's really important to vet your sources it's really important to read something that doesn't agree with you and read it critically like the sign of intelligent man is entertaining a thought without believing it go mm -hmm. entertain some thoughts that mm -hmm. like you're not comfortable with like, mm -hmm. go do that thing um that's that's my soapbox is challenge yourself and be comfortable with challenging yourself yeah so what's the goal of the website? Right now, what we want to do is make it easier to access all of the crazy shit that's going on. Um, cause there's just so much news. Like I, for a while, I was losing my mind refreshing like Reddit rising mm -hmm. politics and Washington Post and Twitter, just trying to keep track of everything. And I it was driving me insane. And. I know that most people aren't news junkies like me, but most people have like this, oh, I kind of want to know what's going on. And so a big part of our site is to be able to put together that what's going on. Like, here you go. This is some stuff. Here's like, I don't want to call it training wheels because like I think better of my audience, you know, like it's, mm -hmm. it's here. This is easy for you. Like go read this stuff. This is all you have to do. Go back to playing some video games. Relax because like you're being stressed out. There was a great article about this. I think it was like the Atlantic and New York Times where it was like, your being stressed out does not help anyone, right? Like your being anxious and freaking out about the administration mm. does not make things better. It just makes you stressed out. So stay up to date and then live your life, right? And be ready to get on the phone and call a senator or representative when like crazy shit happens. Mm. But otherwise, live your life. And, and hopefully by producing this kind of news content, I can make it easier for people to like read some important shit going on. And then go back to their life. And then the other thing is that we also do analysis and commentary. Oh, sorry. Um, commentary. So, like, I want to put out more pieces like 
the the Bannon piece, you know, so mm-hmm. that people can be like, who is this guy whose name I'm seeing in the news all the time? Like, let me learn a little bit more about this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then part of it too is is like the piece that Bear did on like evidence and journalistic integrity and the whole idea of like what real news is versus like the fake news or the the listicles and that kind of thing. Like, here's how um, people actually find out real no shit information about the world through investigative journalism and how important that institution is to knowing what's going on in the world. And so hopefully we can cover topics like that and say, hey, here's, you know, here's the so what of of everything that's going on. Because I feel like maybe my generation's different because like the internet just blasted us with like BuzzFeed and Dig and, and uh, Vine and all that stuff. But like, I don't think we have a healthy respect for the press. And I think that some of that will help. Well, I think even the even the adults are falling into that because when you watch, uh, there's a CNN poll where they had the people that were actually sitting on there and they're asking them, well, where'd you hear this information? Where'd you get your information from? Oh, Facebook. I read it on Facebook. It's like, well, what it's, on Facebook? Like, who was linking that article? Like, yeah. where did yeah. that article yeah. come from? When people say, I read that on Facebook, my immediate question is like, well, where though? Yeah. Like, like and yeah. why is it credible? Yeah, exactly. So that's the hope. Um, and like, I'm going to be completely honest. A lot of this is like, we're trying to figure out the best way to make our voices help. Right. Um, we know we're good at analysis. We know that we're good at finding like the important stuff and that's going to grow over time. So in the meantime, I'm happy to be doing it. Like I'm happy to be providing content and, and letting the analysis that I already naturally do go somewhere. And so if you read the site and you're like, Hey, I would really like to know about this guy or like, what are your thoughts on like this subject or that subject? Or can you start rolling up news about like Southeast Asia? You know, like, okay, sure. Like, let me know. Mm. And I'm more than happy to like make my brain useful for something more than just playing video games, you know, or, or browsing through the news for hours on end pissing off the girlfriend unit because like, (laughs) would you just go to bed? (laughs) Nothing is that important. (laughs) Well, I don't understand why you're doing any of this. I mean, you're a millennial. Clearly you don't really give a fuck about the world around you. You're just here to take, take, take. You think you're a special little snowflake. The world is your oyster, right? Why would you, why would you be doing this as a millennial? (laughs) I know what you're trying to do. (laughs) Um, well, no, honestly, like Dan's the only not millennial here, technically. Yeah, I'm a Gen yeah. X. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Um, so part of when I was deep diving into Bannon's brain, I read this <laughs> book called uh, Generations, mm. and it's a book that he takes as like gospel. And the idea that the authors put forward, dude, is, a lot of the shit he takes as gospel is fucking terrifying. It, yes, it is. Yeah, and this one, this is one of the few things that it's like. A lot of scholars are like, there's not really a way to prove this, right? So, like, that's my caveat. Like, the book I'm about to talk about, not necessarily respected within the community, right? Mm. Um, but in terms of thinking about the idea, right, uh, which is also important. Like, that's part of challenging a belief is, like, let's entertain this idea without necessarily accepting it, right? Mm-hmm. So, part of what the book posits is that there's a cyclical sort of overarching, I don't want to say personality type, but, but like, general personality type of, of generations, right? And then that rotates over time. So if we go back to the greatest generation, like they had to rise up and fight this major conflict, right? And then you had the silent generation and they were just sort of in the shadow of that. So while the the greatest generation was like making change, they were just sort of forgotten. Then you get the boomers who were what he would call like a, a cultural or spiritual revival 
generation, and they looked at all the secular, civil uh, advancements that were made by the greatest generation and said, well, what about our spirits though? <laughs> and, and so then you get like Vietnam and, and, you know, the seventies and the sixties and all that shit. Then you get Gen X, right? And they're another one of those like, oh, well, our, you know, the previous generation was so loud that we just sort of fall in the shadow of that. Well, if you rotate around, cause it goes in groupings of four, millennials would be the equivalent of like that greatest generation with like a big conflict and a big mess to clean up. And that's what those folks who wrote that book, Generations, predicted in like the late 80s they were like something big is going to happen in like the 2000 teens and the millennials are going to have to like clean up the fucking mess just like the greatest generation did and that's one of those things where it's like oh is a broken clock like right twice a day (laughs) were they totally crazy like do they have something here because i'm not a historian like i can't make that assessment um well i I think there's a bucket of shit that's getting ready to spill right now right absolutely (laughs) and the thing is is that like bannon genuinely believes that like Yes, that is true, and that the millennials are going to basically be like a new Christian nationalist generation. Which is what he wants it to be. Right, and that is what – and he's projecting that, right? Yeah. And on the other hand, like for me, I kind of see it as like regardless of whether or not that book is right, shit is whack, right? Like somebody does need to pick up the pieces, and um, the boomers are what got us into this problem in the first place. And for some reason, Gen X has just not been able to like take the reins, right? So for me, it's like I could sit around and wait. And, and like, I'm not saying like you, cause like you're running a podcast, Dan, like you are taking the <laughs> reins, but like in general, like Gen X has not done a great job of like stepping in under the boomers. Like boomers aren't going to like, they'll die and you'll have to rip it from their hands. Well, yeah. and to be fair, being raised by boomers is bullshit because oh, yeah. they, they, they're the ones that saddled Gen X with that late, like, God damn it. So, you know, at at some point we got into this generation naming business, right? And, and it, you know, with the old timers, it started, you know, you just mentioned the greatest generation, the silent generation, the baby boomers, maybe not quite as, you know, complimentary, but it's still, it's just a fact about what happened. There was a baby boom right after World War II, right? Right. And then the boomers got old enough to start naming their, their kids and grandkids. And they can't, they, they, they have no fucking idea what they're doing even with that. So then they start. Oh, Gen X, you guys are lazy. You guys can't do millennials. You guys are selfish and entitled. And no, that's not how the naming game goes. Right. You're raising these people. Yeah. Stop fucking treating them like they're assholes right from the beginning. Well, you selfish fucking bastards. I remember for a while there, there was like, well, this next generation is going to be Generation Y. So you just keep asking why, why, oh why? Oh my God. They're why? like, you guys are so ironic. It's like, we can't like stand well, that for was a anything. good song. Yeah. What? Iron- how ironic? Oh. Well, just a, a terrible bit, fucking song. Oh, I like it. Was it. Ten thousand spoons. Um, <laughs> All I needed was a knife. Yeah, I, I think I think the Gen Xers get drowned out because of the boomers. Still, I mean, it's, yeah. yeah, they they are just just by sheer number. It is a smaller group. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, oh, yeah. just yeah. just their sheer number. We can't we can't be loud enough to drown out. These fuckers that are that have really screwed things up. Right. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, you don't have the numbers. Yeah, yeah. you just don't. Yeah. So yeah. the millennials will have to be the ones to either step up and and do something or not. I mean, yeah. well, well, and and I think the other part of that Gen X thing is we're we're drown out and there's a lot of fucking apathy. Like my generation, yeah. a ton of fucking apathy. Oh yeah. Um, I'm very very encouraged by the millennial generation who is loud and active and seeks social justice and can see how fucked up things are and that it needs to be fixed and 
is finally starting to turn the narrative and, and, you know, or, or create a narrative and turn the tide on the fucking boomers who have mm-hmm. been shitting on them this whole time. And there are enough now millennial voices who are standing up and going, no, you know, fuck you. Mm-hmm. You guys fucked this all up. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to clean it all up when you fuckers die off in 10 or 15, 20 years from yeah. now. Yeah. Well, there's this, there's this like general malaise from Gen X, right? Like the, the Kurt Cobain, you know, mm. nothing matters yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And, and I think. So for a while, millennials captured irony with like the hipster craze. You know, nobody would attach themselves to anything seriously. You know, just saying like nobody wanted to marry themselves to an idea. Right. And I feel I, I hope this isn't just bias on my part that I'm projecting, but I feel as though we're starting to move toward this overall feeling of genuinity and and like giving a shit. Like, I think that we have not given a shit for so long. That now it's like, you know what? Let me just try actually caring. Like, let me just try being invested in the outcome of something for once. And it, it feels like that's starting to happen. Um, especially with like the sort of, there's a, a liberal Tea Party movement, um, uh, called Indivisible. You know, they're, they're literally taking the tactics right. that the Tea Party used and, and mm. calling representatives and senators and whatnot being involved. And I think that if that wave gets followed, you're going to see a whole lot more positive engagement. Like, not that, oh, I'm here working with my like not for profit and we're really positively engaged in our community but like no shit i care like i'm gonna show up to this thing and try and make change positive involvement because well and that's where the change has to come from it has to come from political involvement Mm -hmm. right people don't come into power because nobody voted for them it's because people voted for them it's because people went out there and supported them politically with their money with their time with their with their efforts in getting these people elected into positions of power. And like I said, with Gen X, there's so much just malaise and, and apathy that, you know, things were fucking, things were getting fucked up for so long. And a lot of people just have this apathy. And I think the millennials did that for a while, but now I'm encouraged to see them getting more involved. What I would like to see them be more involved with is not just protest, but getting more politically involved and actually voting. I think, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I think a lot of the time, Older generations get frustrated that we see we see a lot of protests, but we know that people in that age group, the people the the people that are out protesting, mm-hmm. a lot of them didn't vote. Like right. you can or, go or out they and had protest. protest votes, yeah, or yeah, yeah or yeah. they did protest votes. But you know, we see we see the protests going on, and those are great, and they can be in, they can be effective in spreading message and and getting people more involved, but. Beyond just protesting, you have to actually vote. You have to right. actually make your voice heard through that political process. Well, and so here's to, to be a little nerdy. Um, a lot of demographic research will cut things off between like age 25 to 40, right? Mm-hmm. And then like 18 to 25. Yeah. Now let's note that like the youngest millennials are now in like their freshman, sophomore year of college, right? So most millennials are between like 20 and 40 now, mm. right? Like millennials are not young people. Millennials are. Well, 35 is the oldest. Is it? Okay. It, it yeah. 82. Was 82? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 82. Yeah. Okay. So, so like keeping that in mind, like some millennials have only been able to vote for so long. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and not only that, but like college kids voting, you know, like during Vietnam. Yeah, absolutely. But. Think about the news environment that we have right now. Well, mm-hmm. and we see the Republican Party trying to stifle. Yeah, and I, I wanted to speak from, to that. Yeah, is yeah. that they're they're straight up trying to stop. Like, if you are a college student attending like 
like, let's say I moved to Illinois and I started attending college there, right? Like, they don't want me to be able to vote in Illinois because I'm just a college student. Yeah. I'm not mm-hmm. you're just involved visiting, in the community. You're just yeah. visiting yeah. our fine uh, state. No, excuse me. Like, I might want to move here. Like, that might yeah. be why I went to that school. Or, like, yeah. regardless, I have a fucking vote, you yeah. know? So that's an issue. Yeah, plus gerrymandering and all that. I, I think the millennials are starting to realize the importance of it. I mean, we, we, we'll know soon. I mean, and of course, you know, hashtag not Ryan's mom. But when I talk about boomers, <laughs> I think I, I think that Donald Trump will as as the quintessential boomer. Yes. Right. Selfish, yeah. arrogant, blames others, careless, irresponsible. I think he's going to gel the millennials. I, I, he fucking better. Yeah. You know, because because if they don't get out in 2020 after this disaster, I don't know if they really will. You're right. I agree. And unfortunately, like, I can't speculate, you know, I can't gaze into a crystal ball and say we will. But like, hey, if there are millennials listening, like, go register to vote like now, like. Because, Stop. yeah, do because it. Because the right wing millennials are doing a very good job at organizing themselves yes. to vote. Because they, because they are learning from the, their parents. Republicans, yeah. if they're good at anything, it's fucking voting. Yeah. You know the best way to fuck the man? Vote. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That is the most important thing. That is what puts people in those positions of power. And vote for state and county positions. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like when I went to vote this last election, there were no Democratic contenders for like five or six different county spots. The hell? Like you can run for county it's, position now. Mm-hmm. Go do it. It's like quick PSA. There's a vote next year here in Utah. And guess what? They get to do the redistricting again very soon. So if it's full of Republicans, they'll be able to gerrymander it even more. Here, here's another quick PSA. Yes, do vote for the lesser of two evils. Do <laughs> yes. that. Yeah. Do yeah. that. In the primary, vote with your heart. Yeah. In the general, vote with your damn brain. Hi, this is Yvette Dontremont, a.k.a. The Cybabe, and you're listening to Godless Revolution. You can find me at Cybabe.com, at my Twitter account, at The Cybabe. And if you've hunt really hard, you can find me at Pornhub. I dare you. All appropriate departments of our government, from homeland security to defense, are engaged fully in the disaster and the response and recovery effort probably has never been seen for something like this. This is an island surrounded by water, big water, ocean water. Rejoining the Godless Revolution podcast now. Yeah, I could have wrote <sighs> Bernie in, but it wouldn't have done any good. No, none. But it would have made you feel so or, good. Or how about in so many states <sighs> where the number of people who voted for Jill Stein also happened to be the difference in voters yeah. between like yeah. Trump and Clinton, which mm. were the fuck millennial fucking Jill protest Stein votes. So mm-hmm. hard, I yep. anti-vaxxing, anti-science. Well, is she anti-science. She's anti-vaxxing. Yes. Uh, uh, would yes. you go completely anti-science? Uh, Not enough. completely, but uh, she's in certain subjects. She's anti-science. Oh, absolutely. She's anti-GMO. I, I, she's anti-vaccines. Yeah. She's anti-nuclear power. Yeah, she's anti-science. Yeah. So uh, those are those three topics. If if you said about the Republicans, they're anti-climate change, they're anti-age of the earth, they're anti-evolution, are they anti-science? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Is Jill Sinead? Yes, she is. Anti-science. Well, I would say I'm anti-nuclear power to some extent. Now, there's some great things out there that eat nuclear waste that can create power at the same time, but we just don't. Are you anti-nuclear it. power or anti-nuclear waste? Anti-nuclear power plants that create a shitload of nuclear waste that we just bury in the ground. So you're anti nuclear waste. Old nuclear. It's yeah. the, the way we the, the way we dispose of them is, is, is problematic is, for you. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm on board with that. But yeah, I sure. feel like that's not anti-nuclear power. That's no. anti-shitty infrastructure. We, we need to yeah, change yeah, yeah. the way things are fucking conducted. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and get over the politics of what to do with the waste that we currently have, because right now it's just sitting next to the <laughs> next yeah. to the nuclear we, we power sh- plants. We should make a way to not have that waste and find a way to utilize and destroy that waste versus letting it sit in the ground for generation 100 years from now to deal with yeah we have a few ways to do that but we also have locations that have been prepared that we've spent billions of dollars building those salt caverns and stuff that they mine and yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. that that people are like nimby no no nimby but not my backyard motherfucker just like all the oil refineries that say don't worry it's safe it won't blow up yeah it won't leak well and, and rather than having it in my backyard i want it to be out in the open and exposed so that if something does happen, then everybody it will affect it. everybody. Yeah, that, that's a much better idea. Drives me nuts. Yeah. Uh, so I want to talk to you some more about some stuff. Before we do that, though, Matt, you had a What Matters. Oh. You want to do that now? Yes. Okay. He just told you to, so do it. God damn it, Ryan. <laughs> I'm not your dad or your boss or anything, but I, I, I like the What Matters segments. and so Thank you. I wanted to make sure we could we we got through it. This one's a little shorter, and uh, I didn't. It might not be quite as smooth. Ooh, I didn't spend quite as much time on it this time. But well, we need to know what matters, though. Yeah, well, what matters is questions for the political right. Um, I know I did a piece recently, but uh, you'll just have to bear with me because this has Trump, this has football, and it has racism. Uh. And the increasingly wrong Republicans. Alt-right means extreme conservative, but if lies are alternative facts, then being wrong means alt-right. And they continue to demonstrate that they are, in fact, an alternative to correct. Puerto Rico has been devastated by a hurricane. Houston and surrounding area are still in the aftermath of Harvey. Trump and Kim Jong-un are engaged in a terrifying nuke measuring contest. And he's up to his neck in a Russia investigation. So, what's been the most important thing this week for President Donnie Tiny Hands? Fucking knees. Whether or not the NFL's sons of bitches are remaining vertical before the game. Yes, it's as stupid as it sounds. Who is still supporting him? Assholes. Racists. Trumpster fires approval rating is at 38% or so. That's low, but how is that not zero? America has an STD. Supremacist Trump-led disease, and the white supremacy (laughs) herpes we've contracted isn't easily cured, though the symptoms may ebb and flow. Right now we have a mouthful of racist Republican cold sores. (laughs) It started like this. Last week, Donald Trump said at a rally in Alabama that any NFL players exercising their First Amendment rights, by the way, not standing during the national anthem should be fired citing disrespect as the primary reason and calling those who kneel sons of bitches. Now, if there's anyone I can think of who has thoroughly reaped the benefits of robust freedom of speech laws, it's fucking Donald Trump. (laughs) Yeah. But he's not exactly sensitive to irony. The reaction from the NFL was exactly the opposite of what Trump intended. Prior to his comments, half a dozen or so players were kneeling across the league, but now entire teams and some owners are participating in the protests. And conservatives are freaking the fuck out. So I'll be addressing conservatives directly in this. Freaking out is an understatement. For all of our conservative listeners. Well, (laughs) I do what I can. Any of you out there who have conservative friends or family members, 
share this with I, them. What I mean is this is going to be directed at them from my point of view. I'm talking oh, okay. to the conservatives in this piece. Okay. Okay. You boycott the NFL folks overlap heavily with those who use free speech to proudly fly a Nazi or Confederate flag. Does honoring the flag of a failed U.S. enemy in, a, in America not constitute disrespect to the U.S. flag? Or is it the racism that's patriotic? What do you want? Should Kaepernick and company be out rioting, starting fires and breaking windows? Something tells me you wouldn't like that either. So what should they do? Just get murdered silently to themselves? Yes, that is the issue. Quiet, quietly kneeling seems like a very appropriate way to do it. Is the flag more important than constitutional rights? On an MSN poll, including some 716,000 votes, 52% of you short-sighted bird brains said that kneeling during the national anthem should not be considered free speech. This really goes to show not only your complete lack of ability to think more broadly about the implications of protecting basic rights here, but also that for you, speech really does mean only for yourselves. Well, they're not really saying anything, Matt. They're, they're, they're moving their body. That's not speech. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the other thing we hear is that people have died for that flag. Mm. Uh, yeah. And Philando Castile, Tamir Rice, Freddie Gray, and many others have died at the hands of people representing the flag. And they didn't know their lives would be at risk the way soldiers did. So now what? This runaway nationalism you have has put you in a position where people, freedom, and rights have taken a backseat to things and stuff. The flag, as far as I can tell by your reaction right now, is one of the most important things there is. I mean, maybe overall it goes God, flag, guns, hero worship of the military and police, <laughs> and then standing. I don't know, something like that. Standing <laughs> at all times, it better be in your top five, though, the way you're tantruming about this. But none of those things should ever be above the murder of innocent people, yet they are. And doesn't your stance on this really demonstrate the exact point of these protests? You truly don't understand or care about understanding black people. Seriously, one time try to turn the argument around. Torches, AKs, and driving cars into crowds is free speech, but kneeling isn't? We're talking about diminishing or dismissing outright the well-being of others in defense of a piece of material. Even if that material has symbolic meaning, your position is not just incorrect, it's immoral. What does the flag symbolize? People. There are actual people on the other side of this. Where was your outrage when Trump said that he knows more about military strategy than our decorated generals? Mm -hmm. Where was your outrage when Trump criticized the Khan family whose son died serving in our military? Where was your outra outrage? I'm going to struggle with that one every time. Outrage, <laughs> man. When Trump belittled <laughs> Vietnam uh, War POW John McCain for getting captured. And he's your guy. He's on your team. He's one of the veterans that you say that you're trying to support yeah. and that other people are disrespecting when they take a knee, right? And where was your outrage when Trump injected himself into private business? Not just in the NFL, but ESPN by telling them they should fire analyst Jamel Hill. This isn't freedom. This is how a dictator acts. When it comes to the First Amendment, you may say what you like, but you still need consent to grab him by the protest. <laughs> so why didn't Trump condemn the neo-Nazis in Charlottesville? A popular question that I just happen to have the answer to, and it's fascinating. Ah. Quote, there were people protesting very quietly and taking the taking down of the statue of Robert E. Lee. You had a lot of people that were there to innocently protest and very legally protest. If metaphorical tone deafness is to mean anything, surely it applies to constitutionalists 
who are willing to throw freedom of speech out the window while draping a flag over their racism. I know you won't understand this reference, but trying to get you to understand a broader view is really where the myth of Sisyphus makes sense. I want to know, is lying about your destructive motives while cowering in the cloak of old glory considered respectful? Look, you're on the side of Donald Trump and Jeff Sessions here, and I know that doesn't bother you, but it should. If you don't want black people to loudly protest, and you don't want black people to silently protest, what you're left with is opposing black people. You've had ample opportunity to demonstrate that you aren't racist, yet you fail at every turn. You say it's nothing to do with race. Remember, it wasn't boycott the NFL over the mishandling of plethora of concussion injuries leading to suicides, domestic abuse, rape and child abuse cases. The crime worthy of crying for the denial of constitutional rights is about a black man kneeling. Get over it, Snowflake, right? Isn't that the rhetoric? <laughs> Most of you objector objectors are of the Christian perversion. So maybe it shouldn't be a, a, such a surprise that public appearance matters more than actually caring about people. This view, which has been largely solidified in conservative echo chambers of social media, drawn out by Trump and his fragile ego, is nothing more than anti-black and brown performance patriotism. Hey, libertarians, where the fuck are you on this right now? The government telling business owners to punish people for kneeling? This is right in your wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your silence is deafening. Just fuck off already, you idiots. But what's more... Standing with your hand over your heart is also a political statement. But don't forget that during his campaign, Trump had times when he didn't put his hand over his heart. And who the fuck is Trump to decide who is and isn't a patriot? How patriotic is it to cheat on your taxes? Does a patriot accept the help of a foreign power to influence U.S. elections? Does a patriot threaten jail time for his political opponents? Does patriotism only mean military dick sucking or is it only something white people can possess? <laughs> well, yeah, there was the time that Melania had to give him a little elbow to get him to put his hand over right, right. his heart. Yeah. Delaney Walker, tight end for the Tennessee Titans, has received death threats over the protests. Is that patriotism? It's fucking disgusting. Show respect for the dead or I'll kill you. What nonsense is that? Yeah, it's not a funeral. Aren't you also pro-death penalty and pro-war? Doesn't your religion teach you that there's no real death anyway? This whole thing is about black people being killed, and you don't care about that. Now you're saying you will kill for them kneeling. Stop pretending this isn't about race. This is what Walker had to say, quote, The racist and violent words directed at me and my son only serve as another reminder that our country remains divided and will and full of hateful rhetoric. These words have these words of hate will only fuel me in my efforts to continue my work reaching out to different community groups, listening to opposing voices, and honoring the men and women in the armed forces who risk their lives every day so that we may have this dialogue. Why don't you just listen to what they're saying? It's not about the flag. It's not about the troops. If you were born into the privilege of being white, you have to work a little bit to understand this. You need to listen and be open. Your criticisms come from looking down your nose. And they're not even good, even if we were on a pl uh, an even playing field. So when you're born on third base, don't you dare try to act like you hit a fucking triple. <laughs> How many of your family members have been unfairly imprisoned? How many of them have been killed by police? What's the story you tell your kids about how to act when they get pulled over? Have you ever even had to think about that? Here's a clue to being patriotic. Start by learning the very First Amendment. 
Yes, Kaepernick and company are rich and famous as a result of some particular features of the U.S. and the West in general. They should be grateful, you say. First, it's a very dangerous road to go down when white people are telling black people to shut up and be grateful. But it's called empathy, and you can really use some. Kaepernick may be a millionaire, but he knows that not everyone else is. And beyond that, money's a thing, not a person. Isn't it more important that they honor their responsibility and position by being a voice for those who have none? For how long have you been complaining that athletes need to be role models and not just selfish millionaires? Kaepernick's motivation wasn't about the flag or the military anyway, you idiots. He gave <laughs> his reason. Quote, I'm not going to stand up and show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color. To me, this is bigger than football and would be selfish on my part to look the other way. There are bodies in the street and people getting paid leave and getting away with murder. So it's about the targeting and killing of black people with no consequences. And it was really fucking easy to find this quote, guys. Only days after Trump's comments, politicians began suggesting that they alter the NFL's tax status. Fine. But keep in mind, these protests are not illegal. They're not even disruptive. They still go out and play the game. We're talking about peaceful, quiet kneeling. It's what you idiots do when you need to bother Jesus about your car keys. Remember? <laughs> Meanwhile, you Bible-LARPing, mystery-peddling, child-abusing, gold-hoarding, spell-casting, science-confounding, anti-intellectual, cave-Jew-worshipping, community-bilking, women-subjugating, racist, demon-exercising, misogynistic, bigoted, wishful-thinking, snake-oil-selling, ghost-whispering, paycheck-extorting, healthy-sex-shaming, child-raping, pulpit-wizard, fantasy-crusader frauds have still not had your tax status questioned. So churches can commit centuries of atrocity with not even a threat of repercussion, but a few black men kneel and you lose your minds. The only mystery about today's religious right is where in the name of your God is all the love and mercy and forgiveness you're always yammering on about. Are we really in a time when people have more fervor for a song and a flag than for Alton Sterling, Trayvon Martin, and Michael Brown? You've exposed yourselves. Your hatred is naked. Your positive words about your religion have been rendered meaningless by showing us your true colors. And those colors are not red, white, and blue. It's just white. So put down your stars and stripes and start flying your white one. Then at least you'd be honest about your racism and the complete surrender of your morals. I like that very much. Thank you. And I know I, as military, and I'm yeah. sure you might feel similarly. I don't give a fuck if they take a knee, if they sit down and have an Indian-style Indian sitting powwow thing going on on the field. I think you I mean Native American. Jesus Christ. No, I'm trying to think of what, the way you sit where you cross your legs, Indian style. That's what I was always Oh, I thought Indian yeah. style was with a whiskey in the curb or something. No, that's Whoa. racist. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, it's, you, there is no we can, we can law that says that, right? what you have to fucking do during the national anthem. When you read it, it says should, not must or well, have to. Here's my thing. For every conservative that I see walking around with a damn flag t-shirt or a pair of swimming trunks or the flag that they stick on their car. Or uh, fucking flip-flops made, yeah. made to look like American flags that they're fucking walking on. Right, right. So if you're – this is just like anything in the Bible. Uh, it's so many other points is if you're going to hold up the, you know, the flag code of the Bible or whatever as something that you hold dear, hold the whole thing dear. If yeah. you're not going to follow part of it, don't come bitching to me about the other part of it. 
that's even the giant flag they pull out before the game. That is against the flag code. Is it? A flag is supposed to be flown vertically on ah. a pole, not laid flat or or hung upside down. Good to know. So them unfurling one laid flat mm-hmm. is technically against the flag code. Yeah. It's not in the upright position. Well, and another point uh, to make, and it, it's something that I've read, I haven't done a lot of research into whether it's accurate or not, is that players in the NFL didn't traditionally used to come out for the national anthem no, and the singing. It and, was because of Iraq singing, and right? Afghan war. <clears throat> right. They want to show more patriotism on the field. Well, no, it wasn't just that. It was that they had advertisers yeah. who wanted to increase their revenue. And so they had the players come out while they're doing all mm-hmm. of these ads and paid the NFL to have the teams yep. come out during those things. And that wasn't until I think I, when I read, I think it was 2009. Uh, I can't remember the year, but it was it was really recent. Like yeah. teams didn't used to be out there on the field yeah. for the Pledge of Allegiance yeah. and singing of the national anthem. The NFL was paid money to get the teams out on the field yep. in order to do this. So they could have been in the locker room taking a knee, doing whatever, taking a the shit. whole fucking yeah, masturbating. You don't fucking know. They could have been doing yeah. anything. And now that they're out there, you want them to act a certain way to make you feel yep. better. What are you doing sitting on your fucking couch while all of that's going yeah. on? Yeah. And, and, and even if you do get them on the sidelines with their hands over their heart, what are they thinking about? They're thinking about the goddamn game they're about to play. Yeah. And not getting killed while they're out there playing. They're <laughs> right. not thinking about all that bullshit you want them to be thinking about. Well, and that's the huge thing is that like, why are we still talking about the flag thing? You know, what's important is that. Thousands of black men and women are being killed, like they're being disproportionately imprisoned and charged with drug crimes that are Mm -hmm. disproportionately enforced and there's less opportunity and all of this. That's what should be talked about. Like that's, I mean, like, but why talk about that when we can hijack it and vilify the people doing the demonstrations? Exactly. And that's, that's the point is like, we need to do a better job of changing things and the way I see it, like, you know, we've, we've more or less won the gay rights battle, right? Like gay marriage is legal now. A lot of benefits are on. We still have a lot of work to yeah, do, yeah. right? But some big head, some, some, some huge gains have happened. Yeah. Yes. Huge yeah. gains have happened. Here's the thing. Let's start fighting that battle because clearly the civil rights era was not enough, right? And there's yeah. still work that needs to be done. Yeah. So let's do that work. Clearly, clearly the emancipation proclamation was not enough. I mean, you have, yeah. you have to go back. You have to go all yeah. I mean, because yeah. the civil rights movement was, it, it, it was a, it was a big step, but it was really correcting for the Jim Crow era, right. which yeah. rolled back the emancipation right. proclamation. And now, and now we're looking at rolling back again, yeah. especially when we have a well, president actually, actually who's the, been... the war on drugs was the Jim Crow era of, of yeah. more of the modern mm-hmm. uh, days, which is, which rolled back a lot of the 60s yeah. civil rights stuff. But, uh, yeah. 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 But now we got a president who's actually been charged with not, allowing African-Americans to even hold residence in his housing. It was forced by a court to say, no, Mm -hmm. you can't tell black people they can't fucking live here. Yeah. I know that you came with some stuff prepared that you wanted to talk about. What what, what have we not talked about yet that you wanted to cover? No, we covered everything. I would like to pitch the site one more time. Absolutely. Please do. Yeah. Yeah. So um, if you go to grinandbearint.com, that's 
Grin like G R I N and bear like rar, you know, like a bear. Uh, int I N T. <laughs> I think that should uh, be your commercial. Rar. Yeah. Um, grin dot com. And bear like rar. Like yeah, bear. yeah. Um, so if you go to grin and bear dot com, and there will be a link, I assume, on the show notes. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Um, that would be just fantastic. Uh, Oh, gosh, you know, we never got to even covering any news or anything like that. Maybe we'll have to do that in, like, the Patreon segment. <laughs> yes. So, if you guys are up to it. Yes. Because um, a whole bunch of stuff happened. So We could even do, like, a little bit of an extra long show because we had such a shitty one last week. Well, yeah. And, and here's the other thing, guys. Like, go spend a dollar and be a patron subscriber to the show and listen to the news content that we're about to cover because you should be supporting people <laughs> – doing this kind of media making a difference so go become a patreon subscriber and listen to the stuff that we're going to talk about in the patreon section because it's important but well thank you now i feel validated by <laughs> my new dad <laughs> <laughs> but okay so so yeah grinandbarrett.com you can follow me on twitter uh taylor spelt the usual way taylor m grin uh is my handle on twitter also taylor spelt the usual way like t-a-i-l-o-r you're fantastic. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, at least one person is going to type that in wrong now because of that. Despite You're welcome. This. You're very yeah. welcome. Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R-M, Grin, G-R-I-N. Uh, that's my Twitter handle. Um, you can follow Bear. His is new type, N-E-W-T-Y-P-E underscore hack. Um, follow him as well. He's super clever. Uh, read our stuff. Like, I think you'll enjoy it. Give us feedback. Definitely. Let me do research for you. Like, that's, I, I am your personal in-home intel guy like that's what i'm gonna do is help you know more about the world around you um that's that's what i've got and we're gonna it's cover fucking some cool fantastic stuff. The, yeah. the shit that you prepare isn't just well sourced it's it's well condensed to give you all of the information that you possibly can in a tightly condensed compacted data download into your fucking brain right <laughs> so all of the stuff you need and none of the stuff you don't yeah that's that's the hope you know and like obviously we're human we have biases but like we critically assess our biases like we try to provide you stuff that's important um so yeah give us a try and tell me what you think uh we're looking for feedback we're in that like fail early and often stage right now like i'm gonna be real about that like <laughs> oh we were there yeah tell us what you think like tell us where we're doing stuff wrong tell us what you want to see um because I love doing this. Like, give me more opportunity to do this for you guys. That's that's where I'm at. And awesome. and you, you're one of the few people that handle criticism well. Like, you you want criticism because you want to improve, right? right? That's the same thing with us. Like, I think I think sometimes people don't send in critical things to people that they like most of their stuff because they may think it's a a little criticism or it's a it's a niggling it's like pedantic. Thing. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's something that isn't really all that important. Well, we want to make things as good as possible, mm -hmm. uh, or as good as reasonably possible. So, please, if you have criticisms of of the show, if you have criticisms of Taylor's site, let us know because we want to improve them for you, for the people who are consuming this type of information. This is Matt Dillahunty, and you're listening to the Godless Revolution. You've agitated or angered one of the supposedly calmest people on the planet, Deepak Chopra. You, you, you ruffled his feathers. What did you do to get Deepak Chopra so angry? I just, I just tweeted some fact. <laughs> and he got, you know, 
But I mean, I've interviewed Deepak Chopra many times, and his whole thing is always, I do not get angry. I, if I'm in a, I've said to Deepak Chopra, if you get cut off in traffic, are you ever angry at that guy? No, I feel sorry that he is in pain spiritually. You're not buying it. He tweeted to me. I said something to him, joking about the origin of the universe or something. And he tweeted back saying, I'm going to shove my cosmic consciousness up your ass. <laughs> Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. Welcome to the Patreon portion of the show. Well, wait, are, are we doing Patreon right now? Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't know, maybe. We'll, welcome to more of the show. Yeah. We'll decide later what we're going to do for Patreon. <laughs> because we wanted to talk more about... Well, so you what I was in your side and what you do. Well, what I was hoping we could do yeah. is um, do some do some news, okay, and and maybe make that additional show, and then do the the other topic for the Patreon show. Okay, okay. Is that is that? Yeah, absolutely. Is, okay, cool. Well, uh, so hot off the press, uh, we've got okay. Grintel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the first thing is breaking news: Tom Price, uh, Director yeah. of Health and Human Services, has resigned. Oh, uh, he did? Yeah, he he quit earlier today. I, yeah. I was did, asleep during Did it. he pay the $53,000 he said he would pay? No, I haven't confirmed that he's actually paid that money, but, I mean, it's still not the million the, dollars that he used right, to travel yeah, right, in, like, yeah. what, six months? Yeah, so, yeah, but, I mean, he only wanted to pay for his seat. Yeah, that's bullshit. Um, <laughs> that's total bullshit. Um, so he quit because people called him on his obvious bullshit. Oh, yeah. Um, it, the... One of the crazy things is that one of those trips was a $25,000 plane trip between Philadelphia and D.C. That's a two-hour drive. Yeah. Was that the one that oh, had yeah. – well, because I know one of the trips was for him. He flew to have have a lunch or dinner with his son then flew back? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so the one you're talking about, was I think that was on John Oliver also where he's – Yeah. Yeah, he talked Where he's about, talking yeah. about as, you know, there were several different options he could have explored that were so much less expensive as – presented by these wonderful graphics from and I can't remember whatever what other news service or television channel that he was talking about and he's showing their graphics in the background about you know this he could have driven a car yeah. for however much or he could have taken the train or co- regular you know regular commuter plane that kind of stuff you know, but like the, the rest the of the graphics peasants do yeah yeah well and the graphics they employed were just kind of hilarious because it's you know like a plane, like a kind of a cartoon plane flying oh. across the screen, all huge <laughs> while they're, you know, while they're talking about however he would have traveled using that mode of transportation, which is kind of funny. Um, so, yeah, that that's a thing that happened. Um, and I wanted to make sure I covered it because it is, I mean, it's a big deal. Mm. Um, the next the next big section for today's news is uh, has to do with the Trump-Russia investigation, which on the website, it says Trump Russia investigation. My personal notes, it's Manafort is hella fucked. <laughs> because Manafort is hella fucked. Um, I have yeah. a question for you about that in a minute after you get yeah, to this. Yeah, well, no, go ahead with your question. Well, we can... so I mentioned it on the show, and I think you may have even sent us a reply. I, I apologize if if I'm getting things wrong. I get I get so busy with shit that I sometimes I can't remember who said what and when and, and all of that. But so I had been pondering if Manafort doesn't want to roll over on Trump because he's seen Trump pardon our pile before mm-hmm. he's even sentenced, right? Yeah. So 
knowing that Trump will pardon his friends, how much of motivation will Manafort have to actually be cooperative in, in, in any investigation? So the, and what pressure can they bring to bear on him that would make him actually give them good, actionable information about anybody else who may be involved if he knows, if he's got in his pocket, well, the president will just pardon mm -hmm. me. If you want, you know, you can throw whatever the fuck you want at me, but my my buddy Jethro, who's in the White House, is just right. going to fucking pardon me anytime. Well, so big thing with that is that we know at a minimum, uh, Special Counsel Mueller is working with the Attorney General of New York, right? right? Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. Most financial crime that happens, and again, this is alleged, right? Like we have to use the journalist term, alleged financial crime, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, most financial crime will pass through the state of New York, right? And the other thing is, is that the executive branch can only pardon for federal crimes. Right. So if Manafort yep. has committed a crime, which would also be a state crime in New York, then even if he were to be pardoned for any federal crimes he may have committed, he can still get nailed hard for state crimes. So one thing that could be done is since Mueller is working with the state uh, uh, prosecutor of New York, he could say, hey, here's the deal. Like, if we get Manafort to flip. How about you forestall some charges? I'll forestall some charges. We'll both work together on this and try and get a bigger fish, right? So that would be Manafort's motivation to flip. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think we did have a conversation about that, but I mean, that's 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 a big deal is that so many of the crimes that um, have been alleged against individuals in that sort of orbit around Trump are mm. also state crimes. And that's the direction that Mueller is going. He did that with Enron as well. Well, and that's why he that's why he specifically enlisted the help of mm -hmm. this guy, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And like with Arpaio, um, he committed federal crimes. Uh, he's actually trying to get an Arizona judge to drop charges against him because he was pardoned. Likely because that same sort of reasoning could be used and just charge him from the state of Arizona, right? Instead of I would love federal. to see that. It would be fantastic. Bars. Yeah, because yeah, that guy is just terrible. Have him terrible go through the being. same prison system that he fucking set up. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I. Well, okay. Yeah. You know what? Actually, I'm going to scale that back. No, I don't want to see cruel and unusual punishment for our Well, bio. yeah. You know, like- and it's going to be funny when we get to the Patreon segment. Yeah, but, I was but, just yeah. thinking. Uh, <laughs> well, and, and yeah, we'll get into that. I, I don't think he has to worry about the cruel and unusual punishment from the state. Yeah. Because once he gets locked up in a prison with people he's kept in prisons. Right. Well, he's going to yeah, be punished enough. Okay. So that's a you thing. That you think, you think be, the guard buddies there won't protect him? Oh, well, man. they'll protect him by putting him in, uh, in uh, uh, seclusion. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, okay. So and I, I will say this. Like, they won't put him in gen pop. No. I'm not a big fan of like our prisons being so terrible that simply being in the prison with the expectation of like prison rape and abuse. Yep, I know. Like that sucks. Like Thank our you. prisons yeah, shouldn't yeah, be yeah, like that. Yeah. And, and okay, so this is a huge I, I would prefer that they are more rehabilitative than strictly. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Well, like like take uh Finland, right? Like if you're on good behavior, if you're anything but like a sociopathic serial killer. That island. What? Is it Finland that has the island? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. It is Finland. And and so you're on like this log cabin got with roommates. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and no, it's awesome. You have like a, um, like they teach you a technical trade skill mm -hmm. and you go to work and you go back home on your own. You cook your own food. You've yep. got like four other inmate roommates in this cabin thing and you learn how to be a human being again. And yeah, and, uh, I think when I watched it, there was like, they said there's something like, like maybe like 80 or 90 prisoners on the island. Yeah. And like four guards. And their, their recidivism rate, they're like, goes on to commit a crime again after getting out 
out of jail rate is almost none. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Because they rather than punishing these people, giving them no skills, institutionalizing them then throwing them back in the like U.S. population with no nothing to do for themselves like that. That doesn't work. Mm-hmm. That doesn't well, the help way, anyone. Yeah, well, in the way that our prison system and and justice system is set up is that you have people who may have committed a minor to major crime, but then they get thrown in prison with other prisoners. They basically just learn how to be a better criminal. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. They don't learn any life skills that are going to help them once they get out. They learn how to be a better fucking criminal when they get out. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and like I can speak to some degree of personal experience here. When I got sent to that military school I talked about earlier where um, like most of the kids there were told or juvie. Like I was one of the few people who was not involved in the underground drug trade. You mm-hmm. know, like my involvement was sewing underwear with pockets in them so that they could <laughs> smuggle stuff in better because it was find a way to make more money or you can't uh. pay for protection. So like it's very much the Shawshank. I didn't learn how to be involved in the criminal world until I was part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's super screwed up. Um, but yeah, so that's that's the Arpaio thing. That's the, the Manafort uh, difference between uh, being able to pardon on the state level and the federal level. Yeah, there's nothing that can be done if you've got state charges yeah. against you. Awesome. The executive, yeah. So um, speaking of Manafort, um, Republican Chairman Grassley, who has been mm. fairly like Chuck. defensive yeah, for, for the Trump administration, has decided to subpoena Manafort for a public hearing. Uh, yeah, which should be under oath, and that's going to be... That's going to be a big well, news day. Not much is going to be. We, we, we've day. learned that under oath doesn't mean shit, anyways. Well, I mean, there's a lot of like I can't recall, and yeah. like, you might even hear a plead the fifth on that one. Um, but yeah, that's that will be a big deal, mostly because it'll be possible to catch him in like a lie. Yeah. Um. So this is also after recent revelations. Uh, Manafort went to Russian oligarch Deripaska, um, who's also known as the Aluminum King. Um. So like. The way Russia is set up is there's a whole lot of different industries and the oligarchic government will basically protect different industries and establish almost like a czar of that industry. That person pays into the system, gets paid mm-hmm. out of by the system, and it all supports this like network of like kind of state mafia, right? Well, I was going to say, yeah, nice business you got there. Shame if something were to happen to it. Yeah. Right. So Deripaska is the guy who's in charge of like the aluminum industry for Russia. And he's considered part of like the inner circle of Putin. Mm-hmm. In a business uh, insider article, they cited that he's one of like three to five guys that Putin regularly goes to when he's considering making decisions to like kind of get a feel for it. So Deripaska mm-hmm. um, made a deal back in, in uh, about 10 years ago in Ukraine with uh, uh, Manafort through his like protege Konstantin Kilnik, uh, to create like a media company in Odessa, which is like a port town in mm-hmm. Ukraine, and he invested like a hundred million dollars in this thing, and it only ever made like seventeen million dollars, right? So Deripaska feels like Manafort owes him some money, and mm. it's come to light that uh, Manafort went to Deripaska like. Right towards when it looked like Trump was going to nail the nomination and said, like, I'm going to provide you um, personal briefings. And we literally have nothing more than that phrase, personal private briefings, right? What that means, there's a lot of speculation that could be done, but there's there's good reason to believe that he was going to do that in such a way as to, like, pay off his debt to Deripaska. As a Um, spy, basically. I don't know. I don't know that I would necessarily make that assertion. And that's one of the things about our site, by the way. 
is that um, we're purely like open source. Everything that we do is we just say, hey, we could read this online and draw these conclusions, right? Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we won't even draw the conclusions, right? Like we'll just say, hey, this is a thing that happened. What do you think, right? Mm -hmm. Um and that said, like I fair and balanced, you decide. <laughs> kind of, you know, like if if that was actually done, that would be fantastic, right? So, um, you know, because Special Counselor Mueller is an incredibly intelligent man, he's going to figure out what was going on. The, what I want to do is be able to say, "Hey, here's what we know right now. Let's let's keep an eye on this, right?" Because I don't mm. want to say like Manafort is or isn't like a spy, because like I don't have the capacity to make that judgment. But I can say, well, he worked with this dude under really fishy circumstances, so distrust him more than trust him, probably. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, well, I think it's all there's already there's already something interesting there in that probably most people haven't even heard of Derek Popcan or whatever. <laughs> so, so, you know, <clears throat> there's already new information. Well, and we already know Russia doesn't have a problem killing people. Yeah. Well, and there's also um, Rachel Maddow, whose show I love, um, she does she's really awesome. good. Yeah. Oh my god! So she's been wondering whether or not Manafort's even still here, um, because he was oh. initially saying that he wanted to go out to um, the northern region of Iraq that's known as Kurdistan, but nobody recognizes it as Kurdistan. They're trying to vote to become independent Kurdistan, and he wants to be involved in that. Um, he's been providing some consulting services for that, according to news reports. And there were some reports that he was considering going out there to assist in the election. And that made Rachel Maddow wonder, like, is he going to come back? Um, and I, he ain't far from Russia. Well I, well, I wonder about that. I mean, unless he's brought up on charges, I suppose there's really nothing they could do to force restrict his travel. Well, right? So and that actually comes into something else. There was an earlier news report that um, he was told, quote, you are going to be indicted, right, mm -hmm. by prosecutors working for Mueller. Yeah. So we've seen news reports of that. and. When Rachel had a, a legal analyst on her show, um, he pointed out that sometimes what will happen is an indictment will be issued, which is sealed. And that means the person doesn't know they've been indicted yet. Um, but the indictment is out there. And working with a grand jury, and again, I'm not a lawyer, but basically like that could mean, hey, we recognize this guy as a flight, uh, flight risk. Mm -hmm. Let's not let him leave the country, right? And that may already be in, in – case. And what I will say is, is I have not been able to find anything one way or the other that he like is here or has left. Hmm. Normally, I like to go with a more like original usage of the term conservative estimate on that kind of thing and say hmm. it would be really stupid of him to try and leave. Right. Yeah. Because if he does not do that, that's like red flag. Okay. Why are you trying to leave? Like that makes his situation way worse. Yeah. So that would be my judgment. Well, then the U.S. could seize all of his assets, and mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he'd be kind of fucked. He would, I mean, he would have more to rely fucked. on. Yeah. yeah, he would yeah. have to rely on the kindness of not really all that much strangers in Russia. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. In, in fact, that leads into um, Senator uh, uh, Blumenthal said there's a 99 percent chance that Flynn and Manafort are going to be indicted. Uh, hmm. and he used to be a state attorney general for New York. So like yeah. he knows his shit. And he wouldn't have said that lightly. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Um, so that's, I mean, that's like data point, like keep, you know, put a pin in that. Um, Mueller has been tracking the flow of money from three Americans with significant Russian business connections. That's a quote who donated $2 million to the RNC right before Trump secured the nomination. Now that would only be illegal though, if they were directed 
to like spend that money after having been given a similar amount of money by like a foreign agent. So it's curious, but like also one of those things to kind of like keep an eye on that data point. And this is something that I'll do is for everything that shows up on the site, there's probably another five things that I set aside and say like, this might turn into something. Mm. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But oftentimes keeping those records allows me to go back like two months later and be like, I remember reading that name. Here's why. Right. So this is going to be one of those. So that you can draw the connection between those data points. Yeah. This, this, this just sounds like another one of those things. Like Trump is the king of sort of walking that line of ethical behavior. I mean, he, he often crosses it too. Yeah. But I mean, you know, kind of sort of getting rid of his business interests and his, and his conflicts of interest, but leaving it to his son is not technically illegal, but the ethics are in question, you know, or not mm. immediately moving to the white house, raises taxpayer dollar concerns. And this, you know, it just, he's got a lot of this like gray area shit. That's never been an issue before where, you know, he, he has no personal ethics whatsoever. And yeah. so, and so this just strikes me as another one of those things where it's, it's not technically illegal, but it's, it's definitely one of those well, areas that if you were trying to be an honest uh, a transparent politician, you'd nope the fuck out on anything close right. to that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, it is important to notice that uh, or note that it wasn't sent to like his campaign. It was sent to the Republican National Committee's well, campaign. Well, of course, because- But I mean, that becomes his campaign, but yeah. And that, that falls right in line with what you're talking about, you know, is that, that sort of skirting the line. But mm -hmm. again, right now we don't know. Like this for me is, is me kind of showing like, hey, let me show some of my work. Like this mm -hmm. is one of the things I'm putting a pin in because yeah. I think in a couple of months, we're probably going to know more. Um, so here's one where I actually, um, want to like de-escalate level of suspicion. Um, Trump Jr. stood down his secret service protection for about a week and everyone was like, Hey, what the hell is going on? Especially because Deripaska, note that name again, yeah. landed his plane. Now he's not allowed in the U S but his plane landed in New York or sorry, New Jersey, like 20 minutes away from a Trump property. And it just stuck there for a couple of days. So where people, people were wondering whether or not Trump Jr. stood down a Secret Service protection so that they wouldn't know if he was going in liaison with So he could go and guy. visit with him, right. Yeah. Now, here's the thing, though. All evidence points to he didn't. There was actually a, a journalist who, like, basically paparazzied him uh, working for New York Times Magazine. And it looks entirely like he went up to the uh, Yukon and went moose hunting. Like, there was this whole long piece, and I've got it uh, listed in the, the website article. Um, but yeah, it looks very much like, no, he just wanted to go up to kill like, shit. Yeah. Go kill shit. Which I mean, you know, your views on hunting aside, like one of the things that we can benefit from in trying to figure out what's going on is not to have false positives. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. And not everything is a conspiracy just because the plane was there doesn't necessarily mean that he was trying to shake his secret service mm. and go talk to the guy. Um, I think that's important because, like, we don't want to look like Alex Jones. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. We don't want to. We don't want to start creating conspiracy theories. Yeah. And well, there's 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 plenty to be critical about in this cabinet, right? So we don't. Yes, we don't need we don't need to make up without problems yeah, right. without creating yeah. extra things. Yeah. But are we a hundred percent sure he didn't go up there to wrestle a bear with Putin? <laughs> the world may never know. <laughs> the truth is out there. <laughs> um, <laughs> is, is there even enough urine for an event like that? Ooh, oh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Hi, this is Megan Kennedy. I'm a speaker with the Satanic Temple. You can find me on Twitter at Six Moments, and you're listening to the Godless Revolution. I walked in here tonight. I see all this firepower. 
And we're in it. We're going to take it. And we're going to take it hard. And we're going to take it strong. And I will work with overwhelming force. Everything in the butt. The next rant will start right after this. Hey, everybody. We're the Utah Outcasts, and we want you to listen to our show. We're a rowdy bunch of super liberal atheists that reside in the state of Utah who bring you current events and featured content on a semi-weekly basis. Whether it's us poking fun at the religious right or ranting at the world in which we all reside, we want to borrow your ears for about an hour twice a week. Hey, and don't forget to tell them the best part about it. Oh, yeah. The show's free for all. It is indeed. So if you like free, we're available through iTunes, Overcast, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Google Play, Patreon, and even in full HD video via YouTube. Give us a listen. You won't be sorry. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! All right, so this one is just kind of like gee whiz, but the former director of national intelligence, uh, Clapper, said that Trump was briefed on the intelligence community's assessment of um, uh, the Russian interference and that specifically that assessment cast doubt on the legitimacy of that victory, right? Mm -hmm. So A, we know that that briefing took place. B, we know that that intelligence assessment cast doubt on the legitimacy of it. Uh, and we know the that legitimacy that w- of Trump winning the presidency. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So there's a psychological factor that's going to be at play there. And you could probably go back and look at like statements that were made and try to determine whether or not he was like nervous or covering for it or that. Or, or he thing. keeps saying more and more. Uh, there was no interference. There was. Right. No there was ever no said no collusion. Russia didn't do anything. It seems like the more he says something, the more it seems like that thing happened. Our right. intelligence agencies have been wrong before. I know well, there's, a, there's a term for it, but I can't fucking remember it right now. Uh, okay. Um, term for what? For like. Uh, when, when you keep saying like, oh, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. That, that, that didn't oh, happen. But yeah. you obviously know it fucking happened. Right. Right. Like, um, um. Oh, God. Yeah, you're right. There is a term. I, I can't that. remember I can't what the term is right yeah. now. It's like you're expressing your guilt through what? Like through covering yeah. your ass. Yeah. 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 Um, now, so here's the thing. Um, recent news has come out that like 21 states were all targeted for mm-hmm. attack of the voting system. Um, and this is where Taylor gets into analytical mode, right? So you don't have to change votes to change how voting happens, right? Like, let's say that you were able to um, purge voting rolls. Right. So that like more take a high Democrat county in a state and purge a bunch of those voters from the rolls. So when they show up to vote. So like in Wisconsin. Yeah. Right. So the other thing that you can do is um, let's say that you analyze who's on those voter rolls. And then there's like targeted advertising going at individuals in certain Mm -hmm. regions in order to flip those districts. Right. So there are claims that are being made right now. To the best we know, they're true is that like no votes were changed, but they don't have to have been changed, right? Like other things could have been done. They by... could have been heavily influenced. Yes. Yeah. And, or, de- and... or denied. Right. Yes. Well, that and the the one flaw that I see with the mail-in votes mm-hmm. is when they open it, they can see who you voted for. Yeah. And they also have to check your, your signature. Mm-hmm. So they can look to see who you voted for and they go, oh, no, that signature does not match their signature on record and throw it away. Fair. Like, I mean, that's not something that I've seen, but like I- 
Yeah, because yeah, I, I know. I, well, I'm not saying it did happen, but I heard a lot of people here in Utah that were claiming like, "Hey, I, I did mail-in registration, or I dropped it off in the ballot box that mm-hmm. day." But when they went to go online to see if their vote got counted, it never showed it as being counted. Interesting. That's something I'm going to have to pull on. Um, that's a string that I haven't. Yeah, because for Utah, if you did mail-in ballots or mm-hmm. if you did uh, your mail-in ballot and dropped it off, you could actually go online to check to see if your your stuff got counted. Hmm. And I heard of a few and people. And if it was counted accurately. And if it was counted accurately. And I heard of a few people actually called in to say, hey, according to this, my vote didn't get counted. And they were all said, well, if your signature on the envelope did not match your signature on record with like the DMV or whoever, mm-hmm. it got thrown out. Yeah, that's no fucking shit. sketchy. Yeah, that's sketchy as it, hell. But you had to open it up to see the signature. Yeah, I'll do some digging into that. That's and, interesting. And 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 what handwriting expert is standing there deciding whether exactly or not right yeah. county yeah. volunteer? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, and it really cool. Right now, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit are all under investigation by various committees, Mueller, etc. All looking at like the degree to which like basically you've got a whole bunch of bots and trolls mm-hmm. who are on those sites influencing things trying to push people towards like sanders or um stein or um brain farting that libertarian guy's name who can't think uh, of the city gary johnson thank yeah. you G- gary yeah, because it's the most fucking libertarian name out there <laughs> gary johnson <laughs> right yeah um gary johnson. so yeah uh all of that stuff is being investigated it, it's like 17 intelligence communities went together and wrote a report that was like published to the public and said there was information operations interference with the election. Um, now, the degree to which that like changed the election is still to be determined. But that investigation is still going on. And some of those actions are still going on. There's evidence that Russia specifically targeted um, the Ferguson area with incendiary uh, Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. advertisements and mm-hmm. has been trying to amp up the tension of the NFL kneeling mm-hmm. conflict as well. Um, so that's still going on. Have you seen the picture of the tweet that went out talking about players kneeling and it's, you know, ah, fuck, I can't even remember, but it's, oh, you know, why are these players doing this? And it, it said something like, you know, oh. the, the account was like they, they, hometown they, USA or something, but it came from Ukraine or yeah, Russia yeah, or yeah they probably um, take the, the metadata Bear off. posted yeah. something yeah. about that uh, yeah. within the last few days. Yeah, yeah, he he was the one that that pointed that one out to me. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so I mean that that would be my appeal is like question your source, um, and and wonder whether or not someone's trying to rile you up because they are. Like that's it's not conspiracy right now. There is an active like basically information warfare. That's disinformation. Yeah. Disinformation. And and why would Russia want this? Well, maybe if we can have a great big divide in this country and we start fighting with each other, Russia still wants to be a world superpower. Well, and the biggest of the the biggest of the baddest of fucking all of them. Well, and I I kind of alluded to this earlier, um, but there's there's two kind of worldviews as far as global power. And one is called the Western Liberal Democratic Order. And that's what was pushed forth uh, post-World War II. The idea that like, a rising tide raises all ships, right? Like if we trade, that's better than war. Let's create a global community. And then the other idea is this old 1800s idea of what are called spheres of influences. Like Germany, you take your bit. Russia will take their bit. America has their bit. We'll fight over the third world countries and make them do our labor for us. And nobody goes to war with each other because like we're all locked into our areas, mm-hmm. right? And it's a zero sum game because if like you do worse, I'm doing better right, is the attitude. And Russia still has that attitude. Mm -hmm. So their whole goal is to 
break other people down because they're really stuck and can't make themselves better. Petrol is where they make their money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's dying out. You know, Germany has like 33% uh, uh, solar energy right now for their economy. And they're one of the biggest consumers of Russian oil. Like what happens when they can't sell to Europe anymore, right? Well, and doesn't R- Russia also has the largest... Uh- like the, the the coal mines they have there, the coal that they produce in Russia is a lot richer coal than everywhere else. And with coal mines going away too, that's right. Well, I mean, in, in general, fossil fuels like that's are, yeah, going away. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and as fossil fuels goes away, there's all their money. Like that's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's what they do. They sell guns and oil. <laughs> like that's it. That's all they have. So. And they make their AK forty seven so well, the fuckers never break. So you don't buy a second one. <laughs> Very true. You just buy a used one from 1950. <laughs> Wipe the rust off. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, that's what I've got um, as far as like big news stuff. I also published to the the most recent Grintel a couple of like kind of articles on journalism itself. Um, one big one was uh, an article about a fake news writer who died recently. Yeah. In Arizona? Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, looked like a drug overdose. And, and the article explores like, well, it's truth. You know, how can you believe what you see published? And, you know, if he dies, do you believe that? Right. Um, so I thought that was a good one. Uh, my favorite one of this week um, is probably this article published by New York Times Magazine. Um, Alex Jones was pushing this whole narrative for a while that like Chobani was like some sort of Islamic pedophile ring yeah, company. Yeah. It like it makes no damn sense. Oh, but I love their yogurt. But like the thing is, is that like you publish this fake news and it's some yeah. small ass town that nobody goes to. Right. So you believe it, right? If you're a crazy alt-writer and you just think like, oh yeah, the Muslims are like raping kids because you're crazy, right? (laughs) But the thing is, is like that town existed, right? And people lived in that town and were getting death threats, right? So that's a big deal. And this article gets into that. It's fantastic. Well, it's Um, just just like Pizzagate. Yeah, exactly like Pizzagate. Like there was an owner of that pizza shop. Like his life was affected. Yeah. So. um, Again, for his customers as well. Yeah. 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 I mean, the. A guy walked in a, a building with an AK-40 or some sort of assault rifle. I think he, he came in with an AR. Was an AR? Yeah. yeah. I mean, regardless, yeah, he came in with an Cause AR. Because he, he wasn't a commie. I mean, <laughs> also, they're just not as plentiful out here, but yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, there was an article written by uh, one of the advisors of President Reagan who helped create the myth that lower taxes create more growth. Um, and like my site, like we definitely have a left-leaning bias. Like uh, that's obvious, right? But- I try not to get into too much politics, politics, and instead do like geopolitics, right? Which is different. Um, but this article, I don't really look at it in terms of saying like, oh, Republicans tax plan is bad. It is. Um, but the fact that this guy exposes how his rhetoric completely changed the conversation about like how people viewed taxes and income and revenue with the US government. And that's important because like, Reality matters, right? Fake news sucks. Mm -hmm. And there are constructed points and constructed rhetoric that change the way we view the world. And you need to not assume that those things are right. Like there was an entire generation of economic students who thought that, yeah, if you lower taxes, you're going to see more growth. Well, no, no, not necessarily. It'll trickle down. Yeah. Uh, Don't piss on me and call it rain. Yeah. You know? (laughs) So I highly recommend that. And then uh, the final thing that I had was- Oh, I was I say there, there's there's one thing I heard the other day which I like really uh, liked a lot. We're saying uh, no matter how rich you are, you can only eat so many cheeseburgers. <laughs> I mean, yes. Well, you can only yeah. consume no, that, that, no matter yes. how much money you have. 
you yeah. can only consume so much. So you still got a whole shitload of money there. Right. So one if that man. money spread out through more people, more people can buy cheeseburgers if they got more money. But yeah. if one person has all the money, you can only eat so much. One yeah. man who makes a thousand times another man is not going to buy a thousand times more blue jeans. Nope. You're absolutely right. Right. Yeah. Um, one of my buddies, he said it the best, is uh, uh, wealth is like shit. You know, if you leave it in a pile, it just stinks. But if you spread it around, you can grow something in it. That's that's a pretty cool. That, I like that. I like yeah, that one more than the burger ones. <laughs> well, I just heard the cheeseburger. No, one the cheeseburger thing I was is like, great. I like, like that. I'm taking yeah. that. Yeah, you well, can only eat so many cheeseburgers. Because yeah, I've tried to say that in different ways. Like, no matter how rich you are, you can only spend so much fucking money. Right. But you that, know, if you that, spread like, that money out, there's a lot more people spending money on the same thing. Mm-hmm. No, I I understood it. Yeah. I'm just saying, fuck your cheeseburgers. Shit sounds better. <laughs> I like I like your cheeseburgers. I feel like that's a good way to reach people. That's fantastic. Because everyone eats cheeseburgers. I mean, yeah, and everyone realizes that, like, oh man, I cannot eat another cheeseburger. Like, that's a lot easier to deal with than like, oh well, he bought 15 yachts. Like, yeah, and that affected one tiny industry. We have one yeah. one business. Yeah. So you're right. absolutely right. Cheeseburgers is a great way to address it. Or you bought one 20 million dollar plan that got one person rich. Right. Exactly. Oh man, that bothers me. Sorry, I I hate yachts. I hate yachts and private planes. It's like people are starving, man. Why the hell do well, you have this shit? Those planes yeah. and those yachts are all they are is a big dick contest. See, I got the bigger yacht than you mm, do. Yeah, yeah, my my fifteen thousand dollar purse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at all my cheeseburgers. <laughs> <laughs> I just got them sitting in the pile, rotten in the back. Uh. Um. Yeah. So anyway, the last article I had was um, uh, if if. The the New York Times Magazine one on fake news and the town in Idaho wasn't my favorite. This one is. Um, it's an article by Wired, and they look into what's called alt tech, which is this like info bubble that the alt right has of like alternate websites. So instead of Twitter, they use Gab. Instead of uh, Reddit, they use Vote. Instead of Wikipedia, they use Infographic, and it's all this like alt right alternative internet shit. Um, and it's just toxic. And this article gets into like what those communities are like, what tools they're using, how they're talking and how it's used as a sort of portal to take like internet edge lords and start converting them into more of like your white supremacist, alt-right, like radical, right? And the article doesn't go quite so far as to say like, this is a radicalization tool, but like I've studied this kind of thing. These sites are a radicalization tool. Like, even if they're not intended that way, that's going to be the end consequence. That's how it happens. Yeah, Yeah. when you start separating people away, like we were talking about, those deliberative enclaves, right? When you separate people away from the general conversation and now they're only seeing their own viewpoints reinforced, Mm -hmm. that's going to cause problems fast. So, yeah, that's, that's what I've got. That's all nice. fucking. That that's all fucking fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you from Joycey? <laughs> no, that's all fucking awesome. Yeah. What I love about a lot of the stuff that you've got on your site is that it's not stuff that I see on everybody else's feed on Facebook. It's yeah. not something that I see show up on my Google Play newsstand. You know, these are the top stories you should be concerned about. It's not what I see on my. New York Times roll up of these are the things you need to know to start your day. That's stuff that I don't think I would have seen anywhere else necessarily, but it's still really important shit. No, uh, thank you. Like I, I love to read. Like it's kind of a problem. Um, <laughs> to the point where like, no, lately I've had a problem like going to bed on time because I'll just sit there on my phone in the room like reading news, <laughs> and and. 
None of you can see it, but I've actually got the girlfriend here and she's like screaming <laughs> silently into our hands because no, I mean, it's, it's, there was a point at which I probably could have called it an addiction. Right. And I've, I've had to scale it back from that. And I feel like I've done an okay job. Um, <laughs> Other people may have differing opinions. Um, but so you have to pick and choose what you read. And like, I get that most people shouldn't read as much as I do. I shouldn't read as much as I do. But what I like to do is grab the stuff that like, I, I mean, it feels cheesy to say the stuff that matters, but like there's hard hitting pieces out there where you can learn a lot from these great writers. And like, I stand on the shoulders of giants. Like I couldn't do what I do without the writers at the New York times or Rachel Maddow or like commenters on Reddit, you know? Like there's so much information I get because other people are doing research too. And if all I can do is present that good shit to you guys so that you can like have an easier day and just read those articles and not the like for every one article that's on there is probably 10 that I've read and said, oh, that probably doesn't make the cut. Like you guys don't have to do that part. So I enjoy doing it. No, I think it's awesome. Yeah. I I really enjoy the site. I love the, the roll-ups that you do. I greatly seriously honestly can't tell you enough how much i appreciate the work that you're doing and sending that to us because then i don't have to spend that much time <laughs> devoted to doing that kind of stuff right it's yeah. it's a prioritization of my time and getting to good news sources that that i know that i can trust because i know that you put in a shit ton of work into it right well and and so i've got one article on the site that kind of goes into a lot of the websites that I use, mm. um, and that's part one of a two-part article. I'm writing the second part right now. So the first one is like, here are the sources I go to. Like, go read these places. Like, these places are good. And part two is going to be, okay, well, how did I come to the decision that those places are good? And obviously, that's a more involved article, so it's taking me longer to write. But I'm looking into, like, how do I identify biases? I've got a couple of charts that are, like, good spectrums of, like, conservative versus liberal, high quality versus low quality. So you've got like, for example, The Atlantic is a fantastic left-leaning magazine. The Hill is kind of its counterpart slightly to the right for mm. politics. And I read both of them. Yeah. You know, so I have, it's kind of an informal tool, but like I've got these metrics that I judge websites on to say like, okay, you're something I'm going to go to for good news. You're something I'm going to track for good news. And like sometimes I see news hit from like shitty sites like Share Blue, right? I think like, oh, you're basically the bright bar to the left. What claim are you making? Okay, maybe I'm gonna dig deeper and see if there's something to this or not. You know, but I'll never like post a Share Blue article. Right. Right. You know, I, I might try to prove or disprove one. Um, you know, like BuzzFeed, their listicles suck. Their news analysis is great. <laughs> well, I think that's an important point of you know picking the sources that you're going to share that information from. It's like people who share shit from David Avocado Wolf, right? Yeah, like, oh, fuck that guy. Every yeah. now and then he'll have something that, yeah, it's it's a feel-good thing or it is an important thing or or it is an actual good news thing. But then when you share that bit of content from his site, it's like you're endorsing or supporting yeah. or promoting right. his brand. And then you go out to to his site or his Facebook page. And it's littered with fucking garbage. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the other thing, too, is that most of those folks who post that kind of shit got it from somewhere where there were actual hard-hitting journalists doing real work. Right. Like, if, I, if David Avocado Wolf ever posts something that's, like, real, it's because some scientist published a paper, a journalist wrote an article who actually, like, put in some goddamn work, mm. and he's just 
reblogging that, which, I mean, let's be real, is kind of what I'm doing, but I'm adding a layer of analysis, so at least there's that, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, he does no analysis, right? He just shares whatever the fuck yeah. uh, to give people a feel-good so he can get ad revenue, and mm-hmm. they can. I'm sure he's selling something, right, like some product. Oh, yeah. Um, which I don't do. Like I'm, I'm just providing analysis, and that's the difference. And and my hope is over time I can publish articles that show you how I do analysis. Because not only do I want to give you news, I want to give you the ability to find your own, give you the tools to learn how to find yeah. good news. But at, at the same time, like that doesn't mean I'm going to stop publishing these these lists of things going on because mm-hmm. you shouldn't have to. Like the average citizen should be capable of asserting or, or discerning <laughs> should be should yes. be capable the of discerning should be <laughs> yeah and and let me help like let me be involved in in that process which our teachers failed to teach us in in high yeah. school right yeah um but at the same time like you have kids you know you've got a job you've got hobbies like let me make that easier uh i'm I, i'm happy to do that so yeah awesome yep well thank you so much for coming out man for being on the show, for spending so much time with us, for providing all of the fantastic information that you have, you know, throughout the last however long that you've been helping to provide content for the show. Uh, it's just amazing. I think you're awesome. I'm so glad to have you here in studio. Uh, look forward to collaborating with you more and having you continue providing wonderful information for us and for the rest of our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to keep at it as long as I can. Um, it's still a building site. Uh, like, man, if I could figure out how to turn Grin and Barrent into a logo, we would already have one, but <laughs> holy crap. A I've been losing bear. sleep over that one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But, With big pearly white teeth. Oh, God. They say, like, truth on them. <laughs> I will talk to Bear about that. Okay. Wait, wait, I got the perfect idea. It's just a picture of a poor kid staring at a yacht saying, I can has cheeseburger. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. So now, if, normally what I would do is if I heard just nonsensical bullshit, I would think, oh, no, that's probably Ryan. Like, that's my easiest way to tell your voices apart. Now I'm confused and I'm looking at you. Well, was it funny? <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Then it's me. Oh, okay. Well, oh. there we go. Oh. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh, poor Ryan. <laughs> Don't forget I can do this, Matt. You can has cheeseburgers. Oh, wait, we can't hear you, Matt. I There's a weird light on on the on the soundboard. Ryan's controlling the board. No, I still love your puns. Um they they're definitely a source of inspiration. Um but no, I I really sincerely appreciate you having me on, giving me a, a voice. Um this has just been a blast. So, thank you so much. Awesome. Well, we're going to now actually move into the Patreon portion of the show. We're going to talk about more news stuff. I have a couple questions for you, and we're going to talk about punching Nazis. To punch a Nazi or, or not, not to, to punch, punch a Nazi? Nazi. That, that is, is the, the question. question. Yes. It's not a question. It's not a question? <laughs> it's not a question. It's not a question. <laughs> That'll wrap it up for the regular portion of the show. Before we go, I want to make sure that we thank our Patreon supporters. That is Alicia. The Gaytheist, Mr. Aaron Burton, Anonymous, Larry Wilson, Marius Kott-Butrakowski, Dr. Dan Matt's boss from the 2SC podcast to whom we pledge loyalty, Janet Uter, Let Them Eat Kofefi, Stephen Andrus, Mo Calbell, Christy Kalbeck, a new Patreon supporter or supporters of Joel and Summer. I think I know them. I think we know them. That sounds very familiar. We had Summer on the show very recently. She's very awesome. Yes. Uh, Rob Otto is another new supporter. Thank you, Rob. 
Megan Kennedy. Well, Megan, who will be speaking for a, or at an Atheists of Utah event coming 21st? up very soon. You can find that information out on the Atheists of Utah Facebook page or Meetup or our website. Andrew Vodapich, Brandy Hamrick, Jeremy Goodson, Angelica Pearson, Andy Faulkner, Utah Outcasts, Wes Aaron, Purple Dragon. He changed his name from that long uh, fucking yeah. goddamn thing he had going on. I wish Dan Morris would do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dr. Dan. <laughs> and last but certainly not least, Mr. Taylor Grin, who is sitting Aww. here in studio with us. Thank you very much for your support, man. Yeah, I'm happy to do it. You guys produce a fantastic product. Thank so, you very thank much. You. I really appreciate it. And, and like I said, coming from you, that is a huge compliment because I I respect so many of your opinions. I think you're a wonderful guy. You're super smart. I yeah, that's that's a huge compliment. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me on. This has been something I've been looking forward to for a very long time. <laughs> uh and it's great to be in here with you guys. This has been a lot of fun and thanks for giving me a platform. Like thanks for supporting oh, yeah. me when I needed a way to to get my stuff out. So Awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll move into the Patreon portion where it's much more relaxed and where we'll continue blowing each other. Kind of kick our shoes off and uh, hang out a bit more. Until next week, crucify that like button. Leave a review to achieve nirvana. And rate the show five times a day toward Mecca. You and
Do some talkie talks. Hey, I'm doing talkie talks. I'm making noise and stuff, saying things and doing stuff, making phonemes and slapping the meat that's in my mouth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they talk using meat. I don't know why I pulled the piece of paper out. Like, I know what I'm going to well, say. We've been it's saying just... it for like 20 episodes. Yeah. Hey, this is Taylor Grin from. Nope. <laughs> <laughs>